0: Kind okay, of do I'm Lindsay Wilkins, and, well, this week it's another soundtrack episode. Didn't plan it, but happy it's here. But this is one of those soundtracks that also is quintessential to the movie, but also kind of lives with you, as in you will have certain songs stuck in your head, especially the time of your life, or I have nothing, because we are doing um, Emil Odolano's Dirty Dancing... <laughs> That went well. And also Mick Jackson's The Bodyguard. This is a quintessential, they don't make them like they used to. There's a whole bunch to get into with this. Uh, So my guest today, I am so happy that he's back on the podcast, that he wanted to do a double dirty dancing. And therefore I did a little, uh... it is of course the host of the real early podcast. It is Larry. Hey, how's it going?
1: Uh, I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm good. You notice how I just screwed up that intro? I wasn't even gonna try your last name.
1: Yeah, I, I was gonna say <laughs> I I should you know I should just go the Madonna route and just you really, be Larry. Yeah.
0: Just Larry. Yeah.
1: There's never been anybody cool with the name Larry. Well really. there is there's, well,
0: there is now because you're now just Larry, so you yeah. are the cool one.
1: <laughs> but hi. Hi everybody. <laughs> I carried um, a watermelon.
0: This is going to be the episode me just losing control really quickly. Um, one of the most quotable movies with the best soundtracks is *Dirty Dancing*. H- how have you been, Larry?
1: Uh, I have been great. I've been is, very good. How about good.
0: you? I've been really good. No, I've been watching *Dirty Dancing* and then experiencing *The Bodyguard* for the first time since 1992. So I've been really good. Um, the last real, uh, real early episode I listened to was with uh, Wendy. Oh
1: yes, yes we. <laughs> Wendy Freeman and I talked about Three O'Clock High, which is a kind of a forgotten teen movie. It's kind of like, uh, I think it's one of the more underrated ones, but she wanted to talk about it because on my show, I was like, you know what? I don't know that many people. So if I can get other people back on, I could talk about just like a specific movie that was like important for them growing up, to work around that. So I started doing more movie episodes too. So I have my traditional episode where I talk to people about their history and then I've got movie related ones and we I've done uh three o'clock high uh, the killer uh, rapid fire uh, the killers with Rob Antiquera who's been on your show yes has Andy Gorham been on your show
0: oh yes yes he has yeah yeah as soon as you said remember. rapid fire yeah as soon as you said rapid yeah. fire went, oh yes that was Andy
1: Because and then uh, Patrick Vicious of Chainsaws and Claws mm-hmm. I just recorded an episode with him on the Breakfast Club.
0: It so feels like a very Patrick Vicious movie, actually.
1: Yeah, it was. It's a great talk. Uh, it should be out. It's, it's coming out the week here of the fourth. So when this gets down, you know, dropped, you can find that episode, and it's really good. He gets very uh, honest about things. Oh,
0: which wow! Which is
1: a pretty amazing that, like, I I don't know what it is why the show has really allowed people to kind of talk about stuff that they don't really talk about very much but i'm pretty honored that they they feel comfortable enough and i hope people who listen to the show get stuff out of it and they you know what i mean like uh it's it's a pretty cool show I, I i wish more people listened to it but the fact that anybody listens to it is amazing
0: oh barely oh, so. anyone listens to mine i just do it for because i get <laughs> to talk to you about dirty dancing i mean yeah that's yeah. sort of love i grew up with the breakfast club i love i mean i i agree with you about three o'clock high um but yeah you've been killing it especially with those episodes people coming on and talking about the movies that made me i think that's a really cool idea because you can get very personal with it um
1: my, my my favorite thing about doing that show too by the way is uh i forgot who it was but and I didn't think of this question when we did our episode, but I love asking people how they arrange their physical media. And that's sort of like my my last question I ask people now. And it's fascinating to find out how people do it.
0: For me, it's actually by genre.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but like at, at what point it's genre, but then what? Are you talking alphabetical? Are you doing by director? Oh, no, no.
0: Usually by date. I have a weird thing. Even my books are done by uh, more chronological of time. And then they're all by date of release of original release like i like yeah, my 40s I, together i like my um 50s together. get I like my 90s together
1: yeah yeah that's kind of how i do some of my stuff is just release date like if i've got my i got john carpenter john woo and jackie chan stuff by release date mm. i feel like that's a very easy way to do it you know you don't have to worry about is this like if it's a sequel you know, I don't have to be like next to it but even though it's a different title or whatever
0: oh if it's a sequel it will be next to each other I'll break the rules like I'm very chaotic oh. in that way um I don't have a huge <laughs> huge if I had a huge huge like my book should be in alphabetical order so I can actually find stuff but I'm so obsessed with my all my Victorian books need to be together so it's um, same with my well, my um, exploitation need to be together. I can't have my exploitation mixing in with with my um, period dramas at all. So <laughs> I don't know why. Sure. It
1: gets very, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense.
0: But no, everyone. Like, it is fascinating because I think it tells you a lot about the person and how they see their their um the art that they own.
1: Yes, that's pretty cool. I, I like that question. It's fun. Yeah. But how just, do you uh,
0: how do you how do you organize your your Blu-rays?
1: Oh, I like when it's not related to a specific person. It's, I call it the shuffle system. I just, I just put stuff on the shelf. There's <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to it. Cause like, you know, when you're, I don't know what I want to watch and I just kind of look and go, oh, that stands out. If I do alphabetical, I might just be stuck in the B's.
0: Yeah. This is know? true. You'd be like, oh, I'll just watch that movie again and again and again, which I, well, yeah. this was actually a dirty dancing thing. Um, that, that I just recently just upgraded to a, to a uh, Blu ray once we were doing this episode. Uh, cause I just, because, Dirty Dancing, when I moved to Australia, was the first DVD I ever bought. Uh, that, Interkiller Mockingbird. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. I get, yeah. I get
1: that question a lot, and I think to myself, I don't remember the first ever DVD I bought. I remember the first one I wanted to buy, but I never actually bought it, which was War Games, because I was in college. Uh,
0: oh, DVDs yeah. DVDs were
1: new. I yes. saw the War Games. I was like, man, I haven't seen that in forever. I'm going to buy that. But I didn't have a DVD player yet, so I never did. And then... I, I honestly don't remember my first DVD, though.
0: I only remember it because I had moved to another country and bought my first DVD player because New Zealand DVDs were new and they were around, but no one, they were very expensive. So there was still, even getting to the mid-2000s, a lot of people were still using VHS. So when I moved to Australia and realized a DVD player was a lot cheaper in Australia, oh. and I was like, I can have a DVD player, right? And then, yeah, Dirty Dancing and single Mockingbird were there i'm like those are my dv that was it was very spur of the moment of things i think i like so it wasn't like i go went out and I'm like what is what do i want to be my first dv uh dvd unlike my first cds which were in i like pain oh my god my poor mother took me to the um with the record store and i painfully went okay this is a big decision you know when you buy your first cd it's like a big deal um, that one went on for hours and my, my poor mother, who had no patience, was just like going, hurry up! So I ended up picking Jagged Little Pill and uh, Morning Glory, but the DVDs were completely spontaneous.
1: That's uh, that's funny that you mentioned uh, Morning Glory and uh, Jagged Little Pill as those CDs, because those are like iconic CDs.
0: Yes, and I was a teenager <laughs> in like 95, so those are the two I'm that's, probably going to get perfect.
1: anyway. I, uh, speaking of CDs, yeah. I think I don't know what the first one I ever bought was to be honest. Uh, there's one of my dogs.
0: <laughs> I did ask him just before the show how were the dogs, and he did say one might go crazy, so there might be some doggy saying hello, so that's all good.
1: Yeah, she's uh likes to bark at me, uh, Amy, the new one.
0: Yeah.
1: You it's just funny just too because to my, my 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 dog who who passed away mm. last what? year, uh, neck never barked, and then when she did bark, it was like, huh, <laughs> so. Or he barked. I should mm. I'm misgendering my dog. Anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, so but Amy's fun. She's she's a handful, but she's fun.
0: Oh no, it's like our new cat. Like, oh, oh Walter would meow a lot. Well, you know, meow a, a normal cat amount. Vincent has just got so many things to say. Like he'll walk into a room and just start meowing at you for just to say hello. So it's um he's a handful as well.
1: That's that's you know, cats are fun.
0: They are. So are dogs. So um pets are awesome. And on that complete non-trans segue. we're gonna get into um one of the greatest movies ever like um <laughs> i was trying to convince my partner he came in he was like dirty dancing again and i'm like look it's for the podcast and he rolled his eyes <laughs> and goes do we have to watch it again i'm like yeah because it's the greatest movie ever made then it turned into an argument is if dirty dancing is better than back to the future and
1: wow that's that's a good question
0: yeah which is because i love
1: both of these movies like dirty dancing and back to the future
0: i think it depends on which one that you kind of experienced when you were younger and as we'll get into for me it was dirty dancing um back mm-hmm. to the future kind of came a little bit later but if yeah so which one did you see first because i think that might be your childhood t- touchstone
1: well i mean i saw back to the future in the theater so
0: oh you were lucky. one of the lucky would, ones yeah
1: yeah you know because i'm i'm not like old but i'm in my 40s so mm-hmm uh i was you know close to 10 when back to the future mm. came out so and it was like perfect like you know and it was I, it's so weird like i I don't, I don't know how to explain this but like i when i see people take their kids now to movies i'm like how come you're not taking them to like the they're like i don't know they're not keeping them they're not letting them go see movies that are too that are older than what their age should be you know what i mean yeah like, I. Feel I like everything just... is too age appropriate
0: you should come to australia there's always like in one horror movie there's always like one 10 year old i'm like
1: good for you <laughs> yeah i saw predator when i was 10 you know like we mm. need more of that oh i, I saw a totally normal adjusted person
0: yeah oh yeah i saw The signs of the lambs when i was 10 which actually was a mistake
1: i think we talked about that once too which is yeah, so hilarious
0: it's so hilarious just because it only because it won best picture and dad took me to the best picture winner so when that movie won. He was like probably like, oh no! Why could one of the fancy British period pieces movie win? I can't remember who else got nominated that year. But um. But I do
1: know when I saw *Dirty Dancing*, though, like I I liked it, but I didn't get it. It's one of those movies that like you don't really get when you're that age until you start getting older. Well, Remind- it- it's very similar like *The Breakfast Club*, where when I first see that as a kid, who's like hasn't experienced that life yet, you're like, oh, they're smoking weed. You don't get that. This one, you're like, you know, you don't get it when you're young.
0: You don't get it, but it's aspirational. Like, oh, is this what being a... Is very much we'll get into Dirty Dancing. So we might as well just get into it because there is so much to talk about with this movie. Um, let's not waste
1: time. <laughs> let's go. No,
0: let's just... Oh, got to get into Patrick Swayze. Um, the curtains are opening in my make-believe movie theater that we're currently sitting in. Larry, what is going to be your first trailer for Dirty Dancing?
1: Okay, so the... I. I found trailers much easier for Dirty Dancing than, than the other movie, mm. but I decided the first movie that we would do for trailer would be the 1984 uh, classic from Prince, Purple Rain. Prince in his first motion picture. You live Before he created Take the music... He lived every bit of it. the
0: Come on, He risked too much for the one thing that meant everything.
1: His music. The story. because that also has one of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time and also like prince has a and patrick swayze have very sexy vibes like very similar yeah uh, i thought this yes. would be a good you'd watch this you, you're once you see this purple rain trailer and you're gonna get to dirty dancing you're already like hot so like you know it's just But i just thought it would be a perfect trailer to show
0: uh, yes a soundtrack i still listen to and i secret shame don't think i've ever seen purple rain it's a blind spot i need to fill like i keep oh. going i need i'm to sorry see that pulls movie. me away
1: for some reason
0: and, no because everyone else has seen it and i actually do i love the song i mean i love those songs off that album so it's not like yeah it's on my shuffle playlist like you'll find purple rain on there so it's much like these other two movies so no but it is absolutely the perfect trailer because of the energy the fact that prince was this incredibly sexy and androgynous not a creature that um you just get these vibes off him. he was such i mean he was a musical genius and he had this thing about him like that famous people tend to like i was starting to watch the um Arnold Schwarzenegger on uh, Netflix. He does have that charisma because I just love how he just admits to his ego. Like I think he's always done that, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm the best. What are you going to do about it?" The great line from Stallone going, "Yeah, we pushed each other. I wanted to push him off a cliff, but I couldn't find one, so I had to keep (laughs) making movies." It because it it goes a lot into their rivalry, which I was surprised by. I didn't think it was going to be thing and just Stallone going, "Yeah, I wanted to kill the man." I'm like, "Whoa!" But no, there's a certain charisma Prince has and. I think this is the perfect, perfect trailer, and the soundtrack is so good.
1: It's 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 so good. I mean, it's it like uh, like you can hear that today, and it just feels as fresh as it did back then.
0: It really does.
1: It's, it's yeah, it's an amazing movie, uh, too, because like the movie is it's. I mean, there's not much to the movie itself, really, but the the charisma and the songs together just form this just like perfect experience it's experience it's not really a movie it's experience
0: yes which is what you were going to get from prince you're not going to get it's going to always going to be an experience with him so a is that that is a perfect perfect trailer okay so i'm not going to go for my musical pick yet uh oh crap what am i going to go for actually you know what i'm going to go for a weird yeah no it kind of does because i think this is kind of I it mean, it's directed by Paul Mazowski, but it is a very much a feminist, uh, or kind of a feminist movie. movie uh, a feminist movie from right 1978, and that is, of course, An Unmarried Woman.
1: 20th Century Fox presents Paul Mazowski's An Unmarried Woman. What are you doing out by
0: yourself? Getting divorced. What happened? He was buying a shirt in Bloomingdale's and he fell in love. I'm sad, I'm lonely.
1: It's certainly okay to feel lonely. It's really okay to feel anything. Anger. You really hate me, don't you? Yeah. Depression. It's over, kiddo. For good. Are you, are you seeing other men yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, dating. That's a silly word. I'd risk it. I'd risk it with some new men.
0: Man, why did you move closer to me? I don't know. I I guess I want to be closer Don't, to Bob. Uh-uh. Um, I only saw this for the first time last year at a screening. It is amazing. It has got a Jill Claiborne who uh, suddenly gets divorced and finds that she is sexy and single and in her early 40s in New York City in 1978. And it is this really kind of good uh, kind of rediscovering yourself movie. And it also has Kelly Bishop being awesome, which is kind of... The tie in here um but it's a really great little movie i mean it has alan bates being really weirdly sexy though he does make it if you ever want to know does wrestle oliver reed naked in um oh i forgot the movie it is anyway there's a movie where he uh wrestles oliver reed naked and it's it's woman in love Whew. um oh. <laughs> but it is that is uh, not the
1: title i would have thought that he would wrestle somebody naked in by the way no
0: but it is a ken Rus- russell movie so that explains it oh okay yeah 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 um and it yeah it is definitely worth a watch it is definitely of its time very much like how dirty dancing is um but i think sometimes i think we um forget about kelly bishop except for gilmore girls so i and jay Claybourne is amazing it's um just a quintessential new york movie again not much the plot but you're just watching it and you're like yeah i like this movie so yeah i'm gonna go for an unmarried woman
1: yeah, that's what I love about like your show for example, like the trailer stuff you'll you'll bust out a movie that I've never seen and you make it sound like I have to see it right away. So that this is definitely a movie. Like Mazursky stuff in general is just like out of my wheelhouse mm-hmm. generally. Uh, I did see Down and Out in Beverly Hills in theaters. That's another movie I'm pretty sure I did not get when I was a kid. Oh no, neither uh, did
0: I. And I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But I didn't it was a that was a definite video video rental, but I don't think I got that movie at all. I need to go back and revisit it actually.
1: But uh you said Kelly Bishop is in this. Yes. And what what is it about her character that is so great?
0: She's kind of the I guess if we're talking sex in the city term, she's the Samantha. But she um oh, okay. it, <laughs> but she is able to play it with more depth and there's this gorgeous moment toward the end where she just does this amazing monologue about how she's now, she's been diagnosed with bipolar. She is kind of, it comes out of nowhere, but she's just giving this beautiful sweet little monologue about how life is going to be shit one day and great the next. And she kind of misses. And now that she's on lithium that she kind of misses the energy you get from that. Even if you get the downs are so much lower and it is she's kind of often in the background but you see her crying on the bed or doing these things but she's she's kind of a she kind of almost steals the movie occasionally
1: yeah it's funny too because she's not um she doesn't really do much of dirty dancing
0: no i wish uh, she did more there's a scene <laughs> that's where the end when you see her and um Allbach kind of dancing i'm like oh we could we just had a few more minutes of those two dancing like because she was a dancer jerry Orbach was a uh was a broadway legend yeah, give us more dancing from these two come on it should have been just like an easy couple of beats uh, anyway what is going to be your second trailer
1: all right so my second trailer is going to be because dirty dancing it is also basically a sports movie it if is. think about it so i'm doing the very similar equally as good movie the cutting edge both of them, the Olympics had become a faraway dream. Here, you try. Until someone, those are figure skates, pal, set up the ultimate blind date.
0: Who the hell do you think you are?
1: When I'm a guy who came a long way from lunch.
0: Please don't let me keep you from the
1: trough. Enough! The king of the rink and America's ice queen just became a team. Don't quit your day job. Would you please put me down? Slightly. guess that move needs some work you've been doing what? I've been doing a little figure skating finger painting? as a matter of fact I do have a boyfriend what do you do keep him
0: chained up in the basement? I don't like to see her upset if I was you I'd invest in blindfolds
1: are they going to get it before they kill each other? you look really nervous the ice skating movie from like I, the early 90s
0: I need to see this, I have not seen this My, I don't Oh, well, it could be an Australian thing, but I don't think I've ever seen an ice skate. Oh, no, wait, I've seen Goon, the sequel to Goon. That is the only ice skating movie I've ever seen.
1: Oh. Well, that's that's hockey, which is totally different. Oh, it
0: different. is. Yes. Oh, wait. No, I'm getting the two confused.
1: Oh, okay, wait, so okay. I know,
0: cutting, I know cutting Edge now. Yeah, I know what Cutting Edge is now.
1: Yeah, Cutting Cutting Edge is the one where the ice skater needs a new partner, and the partner yes. is a an, an ice hockey person. And they have to learn how to get along and to become partners. It's basically Dirty Dancing. It is. But, like less, but less sexy.
0: <laughs> it, it is. Because um, they no one dared to go you near know, Dirty Dancing. Uh, Maura Kelly. I know exactly what this movie is now. Terribly sorry. Um, I just heard ice, no. ice hockey and sport.
1: No, um, no, no, no. It's fine.
0: I think I have seen this actually. Like long ago. I think someone dragged me to a movie theater <laughs> to see this when I was a kid.
1: I saw it with my grandma. Oh, this is uh, a grandma
0: movie. This is absolutely I, a grandma movie. Yeah,
1: this is when I was doing a lot, going to a lot of movies with her. And I, I mean, I loved it just because it was, you know, I mean, it's a good movie. And, you know, just to see the them try to like work out together to become a team and, you know, they'll fall in love and to get their cool, like, dangerous maneuver and stuff. It's pretty cool. And directed I, I,
0: by Statskin own, or Michael Glazer. <laughs>
1: Oh my god! That the I didn't realize it's the uh pr, um the Running Man guy,
0: and he was also in Starsky and Hutch. I can't remember which one he is. He's the um is the brunette in um Starsky and Hutch, which is hilarious to me that he went on to direct Running Man and Cutting Edge.
1: Yeah, it's pretty weird.
0: See this again, but I have only very vague memories of it.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's it's it even has a uh, a sequel, like oh. one of those. And name only sequels. <laughs> so and I think that, there's actually more than one.
0: Uh, that would not surprise me because you could. There's not exactly many ice skating movies, so you could kind of create this cottage industry of ice skating movies. It's. Um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. Sorry, I'm not going to pick it as a trailer, but there is a um, skating rink movie that Patrick Swayze was in, like 1978, when those things were popular. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch it at all, so I, I don't know how to say about it. But yeah, I think it's. You might be in it with Linda blair i'm not 100 sure but there was a couple around the late 70s all right
1: okay i just i got distracted because i just noticed something about cutting edge i didn't realize what do you know who wrote it no i do not okay this is going to shock you tony gilroy
0: as in uh, wait. michael clayton yeah michael clayton uh
1: right. Andor, rogue one the, a bunch of the born movies <laughs>
0: oh my god this is like when you find out that um uh jj abrams wrote um uh regarding henry
1: <laughs> did he yes holy crap yeah i i don't know why i just didn't i was like man probably I cutting edge is probably
0: a better movie than regarding henry but kind I, of maybe. similar
1: <laughs> but it's i was like i'm done looking here like tony gira has like a very interesting like early career he's doing it's, it's very similar to like john sales where he's doing like like a a bunch that's of just like true. genre stuff. And then, he and then he's just true like, here's passions. Michael Clayton. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> this is the thing I actually want to write. It's like, oh, that's really good.
1: <laughs> I was, yeah, that explains why it's a like, Cutting Edge is a pretty well written movie. Yeah. Because it was written by a good writer,
0: <laughs> Tony Gilroy, of all people, who, <clears throat> yeah, every like he took on Star Wars and then, well, he, cause he directed chunk most of um, Rogue One, didn't he? Which is why he got um, Andor.
1: No, he wrote he wrote it. Gary oh. Edwards directed it.
0: Yeah. I, and then he
1: he did all of he did all of Andor though, like all of writing all of it, I think. Yeah. But like he's he's I and it, uh, I have a friend who loves Michael Clayton and I've never seen it, so I mm. need to watch that one because I heard that's a really good screenplay.
0: Oh no, Michael Clayton is fantastic. You think it's gonna be like oh okay, so it's just about this lawyer who finds something out and then you realize oh, this is why Tilda Swinton won her first Oscar she's going to win another one at some point but
1: oh, i went down a rabbit hole And <laughs> yeah uh, so he he did some writing on armageddon you know who else did writing on armageddon jj abrams oh that does not surprise me
0: that no so, that
1: is it's all this everything's coming together now
0: so they were basically the um come and fix it writers for that when how the colin brothers used to
1: be fix it writers on like toy story <laughs> This is wild, man. Yeah, so anyway, wild. But yeah, Tony Heirs is a great trailer. Uh, yeah, great that, movie for a trailer.
0: That <laughs> is absolutely perfect. So my next trailer, I'm going to go for the musical route. A movie I had just seen. It was the end of uh, Explo- uh, Explo- exploitation and I wanted a sequel, but I didn't really want anything horror. I was just kind of a little bit burnt out from, like, insanity. So I chose a different kind of insanity, um, but that is the 2018 movie, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again.
1: I think we should stay here together. I wish I could stay here too. Turns out he's engaged. I hate it when they do that. I was cheated by you and I think you know when. Look at me now. Will I ever learn? I don't know how lose control there's a fire within my soul
0: I never felt closer to my mom she wasn't scared because she had me we can't tell anybody else about the baby okay I just told Bill yeah and I told Harry I told many many people. There is a charm to watching a whole bunch of people who actually have. This is the ultimate white person dancing movie. Um, who have no rhythm <laughs> dancing. I mean, Pierce Brosnan, Skarsgård and Pierce Bros, uh, and uh, Colin Firth have no rhythm whatsoever, and they are dancing. And I'm like, you should know. But this is charming. Um, no, I mean, it's a it's a complete fantasy. Everyone's. This is a world where only one band exists, and that is ABBA, and that is what everyone is singing everyone's great in it it's got an amazing cast I um, mean, I want Christine Baranski and uh, Julie Walters as my aunties that that just sounds fantastic but it's just this pure kind of joyful fantasy that just keeps topping itself to the point where there's a moment where Gandhi Garcia points at Cher and you're like yeah I absolutely believe those two as a couple I shouldn't but they're singing Fernando and I'm in yeah it's just it's just a happy movie that just is happy to be there
1: is, is this a sequel or the first yes, one? Yes,
0: this is the sequel. This is, the first one was like 2008, I want to okay. say, Meryl Streep. Which, That's by the I way, thought. spoiler, she does come back in the sequel in the most amazing way. You're like, oh, of course she does.
1: Um, but I've, is, I've never seen any one of these.
0: No, this is the first time I've seen Here We Go Again. I still haven't seen the, the original. um, Because the whole point of the original is that Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried a big, was a big musical. Amanda Seyfried is getting married, but she doesn't know who she, her father's is. So she invites three possibilities, who are the men I mentioned before. And in this movie, they're all her dads. Like, that's just, it's they just living this kind of cool kind of thing. And this one, she is now opening her mother's old Greek house, Ireland house, paradise, into this massive hotel. You're also getting flashbacks of Meryl Streep's life, who is now played by Lily James, being adorable. Like, she's just this free spirit, and everything is just like a song and dance moment, and nothing really bad happens to her and that there's nothing actually bad there's no actual kind of there's barely any conflict in the movie there's like one couple has a fight and that's it other time you're just watching people have a good time while singing I, abba songs
1: i sometimes it's all you need
0: it's all you need like it's really just that you're just watching it and just because this is a movie that will just continually top itself with the audacity of the silliness that you're just like yeah, you're either switching it off in disgust, or you're on board. There is no in between because you have to be on board for this.
1: My my question: being a sequel, do they just reuse songs from the first one, or do they not have the same songs? Because oh, I'm assuming Mamma Mia is both. But I,
0: I'm well, Mamma Mia is in it. Uh, Dancing Queen is in it. Waterloo is in it. F- um, oh. Fernando. So I'm assuming they're in the first one. They so yeah, I'm assuming they're repeating songs.
1: It's kind of. That's that's actually a very interesting thing to do. There's not many movies where like here is the same song maybe a different dance and stuff but like yeah. the same song. You know? That's that's interesting. I don't think that's anyone's ever done that before.
0: But it's because when because this was Mamma Mia was the first um soundtrack musical as in terms on uh stage. Like I think they opened it at the West End and then it went to Broadway. Yeah. And, to the
1: yeah. jukebox musical. The jukebox,
0: yeah. thank you. That's the that's the what I was looking for. Like it was the first big ju- jukebox musical. Yeah, Abba wrote a lot of songs and they were very good, um, very good pop songwriters. I mean, their songs are really well constructed in terms of if you're looking for a pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got this really kind of cool just European weird um Eurovision thing going on. Um, like you could pair this with Eurovision and have a really good time. Oh, uh, I the, yeah, because I actually kinda of like that, the movie Eurovision. Uh man, oh, because so, it's, so funny. Yeah, uh, so, so so funny. It, yeah, so it's got that kind of quality to it and yeah but it is that yeah ABBA only had a certain amount of songs it's like if so they do repeat some of them and you kind of want to always put the big hits in there because everyone knows dancing queen but no i would kind of recommend it you would have if if you have an um if you have an allergy to ABBA, i would not recommend it um but i know the first one is very famous because pierce brosnan colin Firth, and um alan skarsgård stalin skarsgård sorry could not sing or dance, and they were expected to do both. So <laughs> uh it's very famous it's for that. Yeah, so they only do a little bit of it this time. <laughs> you can kind of tell. I mean, Pez Brosnan it just gets sexier as he gets older. Um, And <laughs> it's just like, oh, you should not be dancing. <laughs> That's well, it's you know, you did,
1: you, Kim, you did it, though. You did it
0: yeah give him credit he did it and they they committed to both of that but you do get the sense that you're watching a family wedding where no one can dance but everyone's just having the best time it, it's it's <laughs> wonderful
1: nice that's a great choice
0: yes um so with that absolutely joyful energy of just being what it's gonna be we're gonna get into a movie that is set in 1963 but really it's 60 percent 1987.
1: The heat is in the music. The music sets you dancing. The dancing sets her free. Best Strong Pictures presents Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. Watch me now! He teaches her what she can do. I'm not sure who you are. But I don't want you to have anything to do with those people again. Baby, I don't see you running up to daddy telling him I'm your guy. Well, with my father, it's complicated. I will tell him I... I don't believe you, baby. She shows him all he can be.
0: You gotta stop it now.
1: I know what I'm doing, Penny.
0: I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. Uh, Actually, yeah, no. It's 70% 1987, because this movie is one of the most 80s things ever and incredibly uh you talk to guests about movies that made them this is a incredibly informative movie for me and that is of course dirty dancing now was this a grandma movie for you or did you catch this on vhs
1: i'm pretty sure it was like uh we were just watching it as a family or something i don't know the exact first time but it was, it was also like one of those movies that was just like on hbo or whatever which is like cable that i i was lucky enough to have cable um so i had seen it just various times growing up but it, it really wasn't until i got to college before i really just started to really enjoy the movie and it slowly has become one of my favorite movies of all time
0: excellent you know. um yeah i don't remember the first time i saw it because it was always there this is a movie that, that got rented a lot especially by my mother and my older sister um they were there were Swayze fans big time this and Ghost uh fortunately yeah, I never I watched Roadhouse yeah Ghost was a possible trailer um because I just wanted you know that that Swayze energy was like that or like um point break because um this movie is written by a woman filmed by a gay man so everything is just like looking there's a gaze on Swayze that you that you don't <laughs> usually get with a lot of leading men in the, in the, in the, in the 80s mm-hmm, um for sure yeah, so this was always there. This my mother and sister always rented it. So I was watching this way too young, not quite understanding <laughs> what was happening. But um, this is one of those movies where I think young a lot of young people in the eighties kind of defined what their sexuality was, and I was just like, "Oh, hello, Patrick Swayze." That was kind of it.
1: Yeah, I there there's something about Patrick Swayze that I really liked growing up that he. F- he was always felt comfortable in his skin. Yes. So like he can do action movies and he could do romantic movies and he could dance. And he it never once felt like he was above all the stuff he can do. And I just really resonated a lot with with him, especially being just like you know, being really into action movies when you're growing up and you you see like I saw Roadhouse like a million times, I saw Boy Break a million times. You know, so you already have that like knowledge of him as being just like this really cool macho guy, and then when you see him like in Dirty Dancing stuff, he still has that, but he's got that sensitive side to him that when you you see you want to be like him because like nobody wants to be like conceited jerk or anything like that. They they want to be like Patrick Swayze. Oh yeah, but
0: he can you know, also he's like
1: the he's like the perfect guy.
0: He is, because he could go between the two. Yes, he was action guy. I mean, you have Roadhouse, you have Point Break, um, you have all these kind of movies where he is like the tough kind of guy. And then you have things like uh Tu Wong Fu, um, Ghost, Dirty Dancing, where he is playing. I mean, especially Tu Wong Fu when he is playing a drag queen. And uh, but Ghost, he is playing the ultimate man that everyone is falling in love with. Same with Dirty Dancing. It is he's he was able to switch between the two that I don't think any of the other action eighties guys could do. Like it, you can't see Bruce Willis in Ghost or Dirty Dancing. You definitely can't see Arnold Schwarzenegger or Stallone doing no. something like Dirty Dancing. He was but they could all do Road, they could kind of do Roadhouse to a certain extent. It wouldn't have been as good, but they could they could do it. But they couldn't do what Swayze could do. There was something about Swayze where he could just yeah, he was never above the material, but he was able to be... There's a sensuality to him that a lot of the other 80s action guys just didn't have because it was the only too much to person
1: The only person I thought of that you could maybe get away with doing something similar to Dirty Dancing with, even though the dancing would be ridiculous, would be Van Damme because he has sort of a, yeah, actually, a yes. soft side. yes, And I can totally see that him at least attempting... Johnny Castle type type character. Uh that's the only only 80s guy I can think of cuz it sure is sure it's going to be Steven Seagal. And,
0: oh my god, no. I mean the man can that can't oh move his hips. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> Me and Andy went into a long conversation of 2 about how we, the man cannot move his hips.
1: Just on a quick aside, you got to look up this video. It was like this wine tasting video somebody made in the early 90s oh, and there's no. Kelly Brock and Steven Seagal doing this whole like bit with wine and stuff it's the most awkward thing you'll ever see in your life yeah. it would have worked if it was Swayze because Swayze is just just I don't know there's just something about Swayze it's
0: something, there's something make... about Swayze that might be well actually the episode I was thinking was Swayze and the cause but there is because but there is something about Swayze absolutely yeah. it is no but another aside you want to see the best wine tasting um I can't even remember the movie. It's a Vincent Price uh, short. What have he did for the, the Coleman thing? Pose and he's got a wine tasting competition with Peter Laurie. It's Just the greatest thing ever. <laughs> if you want to see wine tasting faces? This is the one you, you you watch. But no, there is. I mean, that's this movie opens to credits of them playing. Oh, I, can't, I should have written down the song. Um, but everyone's just grinding against each other, and it's just seeing women's underwear and just grinding, and you're just like, wait. Wait, what is this movie? I mean, it lets you know that this is going to be pure sex straight away. Like, there's no. They let you know very upfront what this movie is going to be, which is why I think it got rented a lot by a lot of women <laughs> and a lot of men back in the day. Oh, I'm sure. Apart from getting into Swayze, um, <sighs> what do you think about the music and the blending of this? A lot of the '60s and '80s stuff in it.
1: Uh, you know, it's. I mean, I think it works just fine. Uh, it. I don't know what it is about it because obviously they have that that's supposed to take place in a particular time, but it's, it doesn't feel dated. And I think it's just because of the actors they got for, for a lot of the roles. Cause they, they feel more modern going in.
0: So those songs work. Yeah. Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Gray do not feel like they are from the sixties. In fact, no one really does maybe Jerry Orbach because he looks good in a suit but no one really kind of feels like they are actually from 1963 and I really do love Jennifer's greatest performance in this I think she oh, yeah. is incredible I think the way she's come this is, they keep getting back to her when she's first meeting Swayze for the first time or Johnny and there's a way she just keeps looking at him which is which is a cut because she probably wasn't staring at him um before they made this movie, these two famously did not get along because they were on Red. Is it Red Dawn, the one where?
1: Yes, Red Dawn.
0: Red Dawn, and hated each other. So when this <laughs> movie Dawn came
1: actually.
0: up, <laughs> yes, forgot, forgot about it. Um, oh my god! Let's um, start over.
1: Let's start, start over, over from the, the we beginning. Have, we
0: yeah. have to do Red Dawn. Um, that no, is a freaking strange. Yeah, of course, John Millius He directed that as well, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He wrote. <laughs> yeah, it's just like of course that that is a very dumb, dumb, dumb in this movie. They apparently did not get along. So when this movie came out, they kind of realized, okay, so we're either going to be in this movie, hate each other, or not do the movie. So they just decided. I think this is. I think Jennifer Grey said, "No, we hated each other beforehand, but then when we started making Dirty Dancing, we kind of put everything aside and just." kind of started getting along a bit more. We sort of realized that we had to put our differences aside too much otherwise we weren't gonna make this movie. But that energy still kind of crackles. You can still kind of feel it. Like um the chemistry is amazing and it's because I don't know if it's because there's slight burning resentment between them or that that they are kind of holding back a little bit or they're starting to actually like each other. I don't know. It's um the chemistry is amazing between those two. Every time they're dancing, you're just they're looking at each other and you're like, oh hello.
1: Yeah, this time watching the movie, I had that in the back of my mind about how they started not liking each other. And it works for the movie because I could totally see them being like like as they keep making the movie and doing all the stuff, like growing that friendship that that would help them in the stuff in the scenes where they get more closer. I feel like they, they had to have gotten closer during the movie. Yes. And you could just you could just see it. And I don't know if it's acting or not because but like even if you don't like Patrick Swayze and your job is to just kind of look at him, like you know, all that stuff has to just go away and you're just like, Oh my God, this guy's so, so perfect looking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's so just, pretty. he's just, he's just so pretty. I mean, he's just got broad shoulders and he's just the way he, there's a, there's a, a fluidity to the way he moves and when, because like, I love how he keeps like pointing at her and then doing the, um. did you notice the almost matrix move when he's on the um log? Like he's posing, he stretches his arm and he just goes, "Come here!" I'm like, "Keanu, yeah, no, you saw that," and they went together. With what he goes right. So that's I like to think that's where he got it from. Is Patrick Sosey. um <laughs> just putting it all together, the pieces together. No, it, but no, it is. There's this way he moves, and there's a way he points and just beckons her over, and it's because he, he's very he moves, but because his character is meant to be, we'll get into the dynamics, which um I pointed out from a rock, the writer. Who was who is a Jewish woman. It's an, I think the script is perfect. And she was sort of saying she wanted to have, she wanted to write an environment where Jewish characters were actually um, in the highest standing. And it was the lower class um, gentiles that were not. And that was very much on purpose, which is why you have all these, um, which is why you see that dynamic. Because I've only really noticed it after I went, oh yeah, because they're, they're at a summer camp yeah she said no that was and she said in the interview that was very much on purpose I wanted this to be a feminist text and I wanted this specific dynamic and because they made this with a really tiny studio that um this this made them I think it's I think it's interesting I don't think it matters to the movie at all but I think she was sort of writing it as if like hey what if this group of people were actually in charge and bossing everyone around? Oh, it'd be exactly the same. Like there wouldn't be any difference. I mean, the moment when the waiter gives, um, baby, the, um, and Ryan's book and just goes, yeah, you, you can only borrow it or notes in the margin. I'm like, Oh my God. I have so known guys like that. Oh no. you try to give me a copy of N Ryan. I'm like, Oh no, this is not happening.
1: <laughs> get away from them.
0: Yes. I have, Unfortunately read Fountainhead because
1: I was curious and went, Oh, I see what's going on. Yeah. That's interesting though you you brought up the the writer and the Jewish characters and whatnot, just because yeah. you know, I grew up being Jewish and everything and there was this oh, uh
0: just,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh so this is kind of this kind of interesting, right? So yeah. There was this there's this place called Nippersink and it was this place that we would go every summer and it was only like for a weekend so it wasn't quite like three weeks like in dirty dancing but it was this like a place very similar like there's rooms and there are activities and dinner uh and all that kind of stuff so it's I basically grown up lived my own little dirty dancing summer vacation thing did,
0: did you carry a watermelon
1: <laughs> I I, and I did not I was too young to ah oh, I do no I do remember though uh I never got to play. They, they would do a softball game and I was never old enough to play. And by the time I was finally old enough to play, we weren't going anymore.
0: Uh.
1: I never got to play in a softball thing. Uh. Um, but, it was, but I have, you know, I got memories for it. So, but it's very similar to Dirty Dancing, which is why it, it, it always just brings back some memories when I'm watching it of that sort of, that whole idea, like, all these different people together. I don't know for, for sure, but, uh, you know, there was, they probably have very similar dynamics of like, you know, the, the workers there that were probably, you know, not as rich as the, a lot of the people that were oh. staying over in the weekend and stuff.
0: Exactly. Like, they just I, been I seasonal... Yeah. Yeah.
1: It would have been, it would be kind of interesting if, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and I would spend a weekend there just to kind of see what it's like and compare it to Dirty Dancing.
0: See, <laughs> so, yeah, Okay. Is, is this actually the journey dancing experience? Ah, uh, yes. It was written by Ellen Eleanor Bergstein. Uh, it was also produced by linda Gottlieb, which I love. How many women were involved in in making in making this? Um, it is. Yeah, and you can kind of tell, but this whole camp situation feels like almost like a nightmare to me because it's so much about participation. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Like it's like dancing. Have to do a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, you have to actually go and do stuff with other people. I'm like, no, if I was at a summer camp like that, I'd just be like, no, I'm by the lake, I'll go for a swim and I'll read. Um, I don't want to be involved with any of these charades, shenanigans going on. I don't want to be like doing activities. Like, n- 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 no,
1: please, yeah, please I, don't
0: make me. Please don't make me.
1: I don't blame you. I mean, when I was a kid, like I would do stuff, but then there's an oh, arcade room. I'd be like, I'm going to the arcade room and spend time there and stuff but
0: exactly not everyone is a joiner so or no. um or little participator as she as Lisa calls her toward the end when she keeps sneaking out to see to see Johnny. But I, yeah that like whole scene, idea By the like, way, like, yeah what saying there's
1: a scene where she's like where are you going? Oh they're gonna do charades and then she went and did her own charades if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah she did. <laughs> I just like how just we just a um all back and he's just got like a mm, look on his face no except for the waiter and the um grandson there are actually no villains actually no the the guy who runs the camp is an arsehole uh they try and stop them toward the end it's like no you've been assholes this whole time i can't i can't get on board with the grandson's answer with kelly bishop at the end i'm just like no no not at all um you've been an ass this whole time yeah. i don't yeah, like it you. was
1: it was more of like a being an ass as far as like class goes yeah he was he he got
0: he was you can kind of tell he doesn't get this kind of power in like non-camp life so when he's going to the summer camp he's like oh i'm important and you're going to listen to me and we're going to do the pachinga or whatever the hell that oh, dance was
1: yeah. i don't i can't imagine I, in my head that's the worst dance ever it
0: is it's like a polka <laughs> or like a something dance and everyone's just going to be like oh no <laughs> but like
1: the worst there is one at least one villain though for sure it's the the boyfriend who who knocked knocked her up oh
0: that yeah he does not get any like, redemption the fact what he- a
1: what oh, a piece of garbage that guy is.
0: he pretty much assaults Lisa on the first night and the <laughs> fact that um the waiters are told okay I got you because you're you're in college you're going places I want you to flirt with um the daughters you you're gonna find wives here that's a Cindy's it's like this weird arranged marriage kind of thing it's really scared I'm like oh dude are you trying to like Prostitute out these boys to find wives. What is happening? It is, it is so weird. But then you get the skeezy waiter who, yeah, you he assaults Lisa on the first night. Like, and it's like, oh no.
1: Yeah, it's real. It's real icky. Like this, or like there's that one character where the guy, like the the cougar character.
0: Oh, she's yeah, she's awful.
1: (laughs) But I do later on though when she's like no, I don't think so, because I'd rather be a baby. I was like, it's like, dude, why are you such a good person? I'm like, fuck.
0: <laughs> I know. And she's just the smile <laughs> that Jennifer Grey gives, like, oh, he wants to be even. The fact that they never actually break up is amazing. Uh, usually in these movies, there'll be a difference. They'll stop talking and they fight. Because um, when they have that sort of fight of she ducks, that she gets ducks them down when she sees her father and her sister walking. And because she doesn't want her dad to see. Um, and he's like, oh, you don't want to, your dad to know I'm your, I'm your guy. She's like, that's not it. But it kind of is. And then two minutes later, she's back with him trying to make up with him. Like, they haven't actually broken up. There's no big kind of sad song of them in their respective cabins being all sad. It's literally they are a couple from the moment they're a couple. And they fight, but they're not together. Like, when he leaves after he's been fired, it's a goodbye, but you never get the sense that they are fractured because he comes back like five minutes later, going, "No, screw this. <laughs> I want to be with baby." Um, so I kind of really love that aspect of it. They kind of always constantly just working through their problems.
1: Yeah, that is that is a great point, and I think a more generic screenplay would have been like they had a screaming fight, they broke up, and then he'd have to go do something. And this one, it's more of
0: he'd sleep like, with the he go sleep partners. with the um with the cougar, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would, yeah, They definitely would have seen which walks in on him and they'd be like, oh, this whole big thing. But this one is like in the movie, in order for them to be uh, good dance partners, they have to be good just partner partners. Yes. And their partners thought the whole thing really like sure they, they have, you know, they, they grow and become deaf, better people as they deal with the situations that they're in. Uh, especially with like her and her father and whatnot, yeah. but they they work through it by by communicating. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a nice message like communicate how important communicating is and, really and understanding each other
0: It is, because I love the fact that the dance they do at the end is the dance they do in the showcase. Uh, they can't and they're not perfect at that. Yeah, we'll get into the to the to the montage in a in a moment, but I love how you see the dance and when they're doing it at the end when it's, uh, you know, I've had the time of my life, and then it's kind of perfect, because you can kind of see that they've been working through everything and they've been communicating, and they actually trust each other with 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 how they're dancing, because the, the, the point that you were making, they actually work through things, they, they're partners, and but the conversation after they've had sex, and this is baby's, obviously, her first time, and she's like, well, how many women have you been with? And instead of lying, he Johnny tells baby that, yeah, I've slept with women here, but he can't communicate what he's actually saying, but he's pretty much trying to say, yes, I've been used because all these older women are just, I've I've become a sex worker. Like I fell into this thing, I get extra extra cash by sleeping with these women. And, but with you, it's different. And then she comes up and just sort of say, I'm not using you. I don't want anything from you except you. Uh, And it's kind of a really sweet moment. Like they, they yeah, they've kind of new. They've kind of developed this way of shorthand when you see when they're training, and it kind of carries through through the movie, which is why I think one of the reasons why I think this is such a well written movie.
1: I I agree uh, with with that because you know all relationships involve work. Yes. You know, and, and it's they they go through the, the 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 work in order to do the dance, and you know sometimes you have to do training on a log that's dangerous you know to get a better understanding and that's a lot of fights yeah arguments are are like you and your partner on a log trying to figure out how to work it out by you know without falling exactly yeah i mean this this is how you
0: this is how you have a good relationship with someone you follow the dirty dancing um it's great sex and communication apparently that's what it is it um yeah but no, I mean this is was produced by a woman written by a uh, woman, and so abortion is kind of the main thrust of the movie, which I never really got as a kit. Um, I don't think I ever. Yeah. yeah, so when you, oh, you're like, oh my God, this whole thing is around. Um, so Penny can obtain an abortion because Ass hat got her pregnant. Um, I really love Cynthia Rhodes in this movie, especially when she's crying in the kitchen. I think it's such a devastating moment. And that's probably when she found out that um, hat wasn't going to help her out. He was just like, yeah, whatever. You mean nothing. Because she does say the line, I thought he was in love with me. I thought, I, I thought this was going to be an a, 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 actual relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's heartbreaking, but I love how the fact that Baby is just like, okay, I see an issue. She needs help um there's a i think i read in my notes there's an interesting way the movie plays with her privilege because she's wealthy she can get the money um and she can use time to actually help and how she doesn't actually understand that she's lording it over them a little and it has to take the rest of the movie to her for her to actually integrate herself into the dirty dancing community as it was like she doesn't quite understand The power that she has over them and it sort of takes a while for her to realize oh I can actually do good by just learning how other people live and helping them but not kind of going to my daddy getting 200 250 dollars which is really expensive for 1963 it's like even 1983 I'm like oh my god okay um (laughs) yeah there's a kind of a weird way that she has this absolute privilege but then she kind of realizes that she doesn't have to use that to help people like i think her father always told her no you you go to a good school you get the good job you make the money and then you can help when it's not necessarily that she learned something very different along the way
1: yeah that's something i definitely would not have picked up on growing up no me uh, neither. Um, you know but when you, when you get too- older you, you kind oh. of what were you gonna say
0: i was too busy looking at patrick swayze's hips but oh. <laughs> <Even> as a <laughs> right. kid i was just like oh oh okay to so even notice all the subtext yeah. um i mean it's actually not subtext it's just the text of the movie this movie yeah. isn't um when i say subtext they actually say these things and it's, it's just yeah. the text of the movie
1: The but like it's funny too because they she's very much like her dad yes and because you could definitely tell that Because there was something uh, mentioned earlier when they were they were talking. He's he's her dad's definitely very on the liberal side, you know, because he's very much somebody that's for civil rights. Yes, based off of that one comment about the dogs in Birmingham. Yeah, how bad that is, you know. So she already kind of has that sort of, uh, kind of growing up of like other people matter, you know. Yes, and. But, but like him being like an older adult though, she he also needs her to teach him that you know it's that he has to live the words that he says as well. So it's kind of a cool. I love the relationship that she has with her dad.
0: It's really really cool. I because you even get I think the waiter says, "Oh, we're going to go down for the freedom rides." Like there's this false, um, false liberalism that a lot of them are doing. Like he even says, "Some people matter, some people don't." And, but he's still trying to impress baby. So he goes, yeah, we're going to go for a freedom ride. And it's no, you're not. It's kind of this false. Oh no, I care, but you don't. And it's actually baby who does care, but her dad does like the way he treats Penny is gorgeous because you think he's a stern father who doesn't like Johnny because he's poor. He's not good enough for his daughter, all that kind of thing. But it's no, it's because he thought he was the one that knocked Penny up and it's just this preconception that he had same with baby at the beginning and then you realize no they were just friends and and they just very they're just like brother and sister relationship it, he, so he still has those preconceptions but when it comes to penny he's a very good doctor and he's like no this woman was hurt i need to make sure she's okay so i'm gonna do the right thing in treating her and it's not because you think oh because he's it because the baby thinks that he's upset because she is kind of upset that she helped to obtain an abortion but it's sort of more the fact that what he thinks about Johnny and the preconceptions he had which weren't true again all this is just text like when you're watching this as a kid it goes over your head when you're watching as an adult you're like oh this is what the movie's about because they're telling me they're just saying it in words there's like no (laughs) undercurrent (laughs) of this at all but yeah I love Jerry Orbach is great it's a small role so you had to get a good actor in and they got the king and he
1: kind of knocks it out of the park he sure does he's because he he just feels like uh, everybody's father uh, in a lot he of ways does. yeah he, he reminds me the most of my grandfather because my oh. grandfather would, didn't really talk a whole lot really I mean at least my memories of mm. him uh because he, he died when I was about 12 mm. um but like he but like when he spoke you like you you listened to what he what he said like he everything he said just felt like like i'm about ready to like learn something you know yeah. and that's very similar to jerry orbach's character in this one uh where like he there's just like this respect that you get from a jerry orbach that like you just feel like he's you know the voice of authority and whatnot
0: yeah, uh, I, yeah So then can... like, when he
1: changes like it really when he changes at the end and you realize like some of the stuff that he does to they realizes uh later in the movie like if he, he makes it work
0: <laughs> he does because he only has a few short scenes to go to the waiter the ass hat, and go here's your recommendation you make the great doctor he goes and the, the guy's like oh i didn't think i was going to get this because you know penny and he's like oh you did that yeah no and then he comes up to johnny <laughs> and goes yoink sorry nope and then he has to go to the one scene another scene he goes to johnny goes when I when I'm wrong I say I'm wrong and they're very short things and you have to make it work because you're not getting anything to work with but because he's a pro he just knows has to go in do two do seconds and go out again which is why he was probably so good in law and order um because he knew how to make these very short moments of just information work really well and yeah is really good the same with Emily Bishop because she's given nothing to do yet there's a vivaciousness to her that you kind of see um but she's kind of meant to be clueless. I mean, um, uh, uh, Orbach is telling her nothing. Um, so she's kind of meant to be kept in the dark. And as soon as she sees baby on stage, she's like, I think she gets that from me. So there's a vivaciousness to her again. She's able to convey with very little.
1: I, I, I kind of wonder what it was like when they first started dating each other. You know, I they probably he probably saw something in his relationship with his wife maybe when they were both young and yeah. they first fell in love and i'm sure they had some wild times too you know it's because she's like you know she gets it from me and she probably just remembered like being young and everything I, and i think just saying that was like a, a light bulb on on uh the dad yeah uh you know much so she doesn't do much but she she does a lot <laughs> in one scene. It's
0: yes. It wasn't until Gilmore Girls where they could let Kelly Bishop go free, and she created the character that was Emily Bishop, which is why that character everyone loves that character. Everyone's kind of going a little sour on Rory, even though when I was first watching it, I wanted to be Rory. Then I realized, Geez, she's kind of awful. Emily, on the other hand, rules. Um, and it's all down to Kelly. So I think this is why. This is retrospective. Like I became a Gilmore Girls fan and then fell in love with um Ke- um Kelly bishop but it is it, yeah but she does she's i mean that little scene when you see them twirling around at the end i mean the whole final scene of them dancing on the stage is this is what it's like to be young this is what it's like to fall in love for the first time this is freaking fantastic and it's shown through dance everyone just moving around having a good time just letting loose and that's kind of the feeling that is meant to portray so as soon as you hear those chords of uh ha the time of my life and then it just kicks off it's like this kind of oh, you can breathe moment and i don't know if this song had just i don't know if this song had come out if this was for the movie or what kind of happened it probably did but i think it was the dirty dancing source that kind of gave that movie some that song something like i, I don't know what it is i don't know how it relate to that song if there wasn't swayze dancing if I didn't
1: know dancing as why he was dancing for throughout yeah so I learned that it originally it's supposed to be like a Lionel Richie song
0: oh no 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 I like Lionel Richie but no
1: I don't like I don't know what what that song would have been because you know he's got some soundtrack songs yeah but they they really wanted this one in um and it's like the perfect song like there are there are not many songs that you that are instantly tied to a moment. Yeah. And whenever you hear this song and you're dancing at the same time, you always want somebody, or your partner, wife, friend, whatever, to do the swan thing. Like yes. literally every time you hear this song.
0: I know. This is why when flash dances were a thing, everyone kept trying to do the lift and it was always fails. Like that's the power oh. the song has. It is. And it's just a typical 80s ballad. I mean, Bill, Mid, uh, Bill Midley and Jennifer Warren
1: yeah
0: oh oh sorry and it's still medley but it is yeah there's this kind of and it's again very typical 80s ballad so i don't know i think it had either dirty dancing in there to make you go ah yes the lift
1: yeah i I don't like if you did i mean i'm sure people hear it now they they kind of know maybe it's from dirty dancing but Mm. like if you know if you've ever seen dirty dancing like you just know the song and it's it's an iconic it's an iconic song that um like i said it's one of the few songs that just makes you think of the thing that it's in yeah you know what i mean and it's just like so tied perfectly and just that ending is just so joyous and like i can't help but like start tearing up during it like yes, yes. No, i was you, like you man, can't help it it's it's just i was crying today it's, it's a,
0: yeah it's, it's it's baked into the movie that it's it's tears of happiness and kind of just this overwhelming feeling i don't Yeah, because we did, uh, before this episode comes out, there's going to be an episode on Romeo and Michelle, which is why I mentioned the soundtrack thing. Now, this um, uses very iconic songs to give a point of view, but these are already iconic songs. I was already listening to uh, No Doubt before, around about the time I first saw Romeo and Michelle, or I already knew who Cinder Lawful was with Time After Time. Like, these songs aren't specifically tied to that movie. Uh, That movie is also paired with Suspiria, but that's Goblin, so that was written for Thanksgiving um wait, I'm, I'm
1: sorry did you did you say you're pairing Romeo and michelle with with suspiria
0: it works trust me it, it's very much about <laughs> um it. terrible it, just dancing like like we we're just talking about how there's like no dancing in the original <laughs> like no there isn't um and then there's a Can't ballet sequence one. yeah it's we make it work um but yeah those songs have already kind of lived on their own but i did yeah but this but i've had the time of my life is strictly dirty dancing and i would be curious to talk to a kid who hasn't seen Dirty Dancing but has heard "Time of Your Life"? I'm like, do you like it? Because these they're just entwined in my head.
1: Well, I mean, it's like it's 30 years ago or 40 years ago, almost.
0: Yes. Oh my is, god. Oh. oh
1: my god.
0: Oh my god. Three
1: five years, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I mean that. They- it's a little bit of a dated song in many ways, so like oh. I could totally see a, like a young person being like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, but like even Duet, even a young people yeah. watching Pretty Dancing, they'll probably like the song. They just I don't know if they'd really appreciate it like we do. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I
0: didn't tape it like on my VHS when I used to tape yeah. music videos. Like it was a thing.
1: But I, I all the newer <laughs> songs for that movie though I think are all really good. Yeah. Um So. I've done. She's like the one at karaoke a few times. Oh, I've done "Hungry Eyes." And uh, I, 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 I I'm such a big fan of when actors do songs. And I think she's like the one is is the best one of all the '80s actors' song songs.
0: I'm a bigger fan of "Hungry Eyes," but I get what you mean. Yeah.
1: Well, no, but Eric Carmen wasn't an actor. I'm saying like. Yeah. Yes, this is true. As far as like Don Johnson or Eddie Murphy, like this. The, this one is the most that feels like a, like a, a song that can stand the test of time. That just feels like a nice ballad. Yeah. That like somebody could remake now. Like I bet you there's like a bunch of covers of this with like a young person and like a ukulele. I bet. Yes. I bet yes. you go find that because it's a beautiful song. I I love that, I and mean, he's just such a great voice. He does, you know.
0: and he makes it work. And yeah, she's like the wind. Is a really really cool song yeah no it is a really gorgeous ballad it works and it is one of the best actor singing ones i mean i know bruce willis tried it, and i just can't i love bruce <laughs> bruno but him singing mm. um and there's a few that have tried i'm like yeah it doesn't quite work unless you're in a musical but okay but no but you're right written on the wind uh she's like the wind is is absolutely it, fantastic it's,
1: it's funny too like when they're playing it over like the the part where he's you know it's all like sad and stuff and i yeah. think he's leaving and everything And it's I think him being the one singing it really adds like an actual layer that I didn't realize. I took before I realized it was Patrick Swayze. I'm like, oh, this is nice. But when you see it's Patrick Swayze in the song, and it really adds that a little extra emotional leverage to them going apart
0: for that particular time. Also, this movie is completely from Baby's point of view. You're not really knowing what Johnny's thinking, and that song is his way of letting you kind of know what's in his head. Um, Great point because yeah because the whole movie is just baby and it's her point of view and how she's seeing johnny and that song when he's leaving you get oh she's you kind of understanding what he's going through because she um admitted that they were together um so she i mean the whole thing was a ploy when the guy who runs the camp and his grandson are basically saying yeah this guy's been stealing wallets i think they're trying to get her to admit that they're sleeping together so they can fire him so either which way he was going to be fired and that's when she's like going oh my god i can't do anything because i I say nothing you get fired i say something you get fired and he's like well you admitted that we're together like you you tried to sort of say hey he didn't do that and that kind of meant everything to him so it was never again like they work through their issues they communicate they talk because they're partners and yeah it's really cool so that song is just like oh this is what's actually going through his head and it kind of because Dirty dancing is kind of a musical. Like the music is incredibly important to how the, this thing functions and to how the mood is of the movie. So it, I would describe this as a, describe dirty dancing as a form of musical.
1: Oh, yeah. Also, there's something you just said that I thought of, which is interesting, is that one scene where she ducks and she, she's like, oh, they almost saw us. He's like, how come we, you know? Yeah. He's basically like, you, i can't believe you can say anything or whatever and she says something finally and it still made things worse
0: yes
1: (laughs) which i i thought that was kind of interesting how even though she did the thing that he he wanted her to do it still caused issues which is why he's not
0: mad which yeah, yeah he knows that she did the right thing even though it was always gonna he knew he knew he was screwed like they were gonna try and get rid of him anyway they didn't like him it was a thing building up Now he's sleeping with guests. Or they can use this the fact that he's sleeping with guests against him and the fact that, yeah, so they were assholes.
1: But they talk about how this is uh, what, 1963. Yeah. And it's before like JFK was assassinated and everything. And also it's basically saying that, like, no matter, even if you do the right thing, bad things can happen. Yeah. But you still have to do the right thing. Yes. Sort of like a, this movie is like a lesson to the world, at you know, that I really appreciate about the movie. It's, so it's not just like, oh, you know, it's a, a relationship between them two. It's also a lot about the class warfare and stuff. It's saying a it lot really about is. America at the time. No,
0: it is. I mean, the fact that they duck down, it's Jerry Orbach, the other daughter, Lisa, and the waiter. And he's accepting the fact that these two are going to be together. He's kind of liking the fact that his daughter's found the Harvard man. So it's all about that. And when they duck down, he's realizing, oh, but you you're he's fine with them but you don't want to see him with me because you know i'm not going to be going to harvard anytime soon like i can't afford to yeah that is very much about what it is this movie is so much about um class warfare how people see each other everything like that and it really just works though before we finish talking about this movie we need to talk about the montage do hungry eyes
1: Love that montage.
0: I love the montage. It's probably <laughs> my favorite training montage. And yes, I admit this is does not have the Rocky score on it. So I realize that what I am saying is ludicrous. And oh, I am no, comparing no, no. who wrote the Rocky score again? Um I should have this up. Bill Conti. Bill... I'm realizing I'm comparing Bill Conti to um what's his name who wrote Hungry Eyes? Eric Carmen? <laughs> Eric Carmen. <laughs> just the way this works, how it starts with the oh, feet and just <laughs> oh.
1: Sorry.
0: yeah, I know. The, the, I realize what I'm saying. This is why Bill Conti, Eric Carmen. I mean, there shouldn't it's, be no comparison. But this does not have <laughs> Jennifer. This, uh, but I'm sorry, Rocky does not have Cynthia Rose, uh Jennifer Grey standing in between Cynthia Rose and Patrick Swayze dancing. Like it's there's this amazing way this movie is also showing the fact that she's Angela in the moves. She's you know if you see the feet stepping on things. And then as she's getting more comfortable with dancing, she's wearing less clothes because she's more comfortable in her skin. And it's her becoming a woman, essentially. And I think it's so amazing. So by the end, she's just very in like, you know, dance, very skippy dancing wear, but it's so cool because it's about baby growing up. Um, but it's not, but it's herself. It's not Swayze because he's still yelling at her constantly. It's just more her and her own skin and feeling stronger. And it's so good.
1: <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. You, you were saying when you said her name, I just realized that I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I thought just now that her name being baby is interesting because it goes from her being like a baby to yeah. baby, you know, what yes,
0: I mean? and very much so. I was like, and
1: that's actually kind of a genius name, yes. And I think, I, I think it's like, yeah,
0: it. yeah. And also, it's like the third or fourth time they sleep with each other when Patrick Swayze finally goes, so What's your real name? I'm like, What you didn't ask? And she goes, she goes <laughs> Francis. Because that's a very grown-up name. So it's about her. The whole thing has started cause she's wearing very big dresses, baggy cardigans, and by the end, she's a confident um, woman who is very comfortable with her sexuality. And you start seeing that in the montage, and I, I love it. Because this, Journey Dancing, for how much I love the writing, it's just competently shot. I mean, there's nothing kind of mm-hmm. new about it. There's just point and shoot. But I think, and the montage is that as well, but there's, I don't know. I I really like it. I, I love yeah. it. Like, I could just watch that on a loop and that montage on a loop and just be happy.
1: That's why I was saying it's kind of like a sports movie because yes. that is like you see it in sports movies where they're, you know, training and trying to, you know, do well on a particular Get thing. And, yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a question, is. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing that I... I don't know why I'm so hyper-focused on this now when I see the movie is, like... When they're doing their train dances and they're like their leotards and stuff, I'm like, this is not what they were wearing back in 63, no. right? Like this is totally 1987, like that's leotards, is, right? Am no, I mean, that's
0: no, it is absolutely 1987. <laughs> I
1: mean, the da- I like, mean this is a little even, like a panties at one point. I'm yes, like, this is, this is this is not what they wore, back. this anything. is
0: aerobics gear. I mean, <laughs> that's what I sort of said. This movie's seventy percent nineteen eighty seven. Like it's oh I love it's, this movie. Oh, so fucking good. It is not <laughs> I mean, this is not, this is sort of starting in the 60s, but like, oh, we've come better and now we're in the 1987 and we're a lot smarter. What, you know, you're like, okay. But it is, yeah, it is that. It is purely no one, I mean, I was trying to look up to see if Dirty Dancing was a thing. No, it wasn't. It was just a made up concept. It's growing on the fact that this whole rock and roll thing, kids, we just getting too excited and being starting to be promiscuous. I can't say the word. Promiscuous. Um, yes, thank you. And, you know there was the um the contraceptive pill and all this kind of thing and we're about a few years of, we're getting Kennedy's about to get shot the like 60s are about to happen when it's going to be the summer of free love or just no consent as you when you read about it you're like oh this was very bad um a lot of bad things happen and it so yeah it this is kind of kind of mentality of oh this is where we're going um we solved feminine fem- feminism guys it's all right but <laughs> Yeah, that is what the movie's doing, and it's not. This is a movie where they realize we can't be two sixties because the kids aren't going to get it. We want the kids, so we're just going to make it very contemporary. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it, it, I just—I don't know—it just works for me. It does. I don't, I don't. You don't ever really notice it.
0: I do, and cool. I love it. I love it every time I watch it. I notice it more and more, and I just love it.
1: it just go with it. You just go with it. It's fine. And like all yeah. the songs like fit thematically and everything. Yeah. And good songs. Which is why Except it's for that weird that song. overload song is a little weird, but <laughs> yes. it works, I guess. It's uh, fine. I
0: love I love the sixties thing. I love what they um the song when they have when I um when they have sex for the first time. Um I love uh this I do love the use of the sixties songs in it. Like this is a soundtrack I still listen to. Um but yeah, it's Deadly Dancing's a great movie.
1: There's, there's one song. uh, What is it? Um, I don't know, I have to look it up real quick. Oh, yeah. I, I guess it's called Love is Strange, but it's the Mickey and Sylvia song. Yes. When they're lip syncing to it. yeah, And it's just, like, the sexiest friggin' thing ever. And I'm just, uh. like, I just, like, oh, I want, I don't know. It's just, like, it's so funny. Like, if you look at my wall, I got a lot of genre posters on my wall. And... In the midst of all this is a dirty dancing poster because I just love this movie.
0: It's a great and... movie. Like it is. Um it's just it's just it just makes you happy. It's one of those movies that you just watch and you're like, oh I mean I've seen it so many times and I saw it way too long to the point where um it's kinda like when I watched I because I watched uh before uh, sunrise before I went to Europe when I'm in my early twenties, and then I was disappointed I didn't meet Ethan Hawke <laughs> on a train.
1: Sure. Yeah. that
0: was what was meant yeah. to happen when you go to travel through europe um
1: for sure
0: yeah uh, the virginity was so disappointing
1: uh, <laughs> like oh
0: no it's not that it's not patrick swayze dipping you to a, a great song it is a very awkward and annoying experience and then <laughs> and then yeah but you sort of have this thing built up in your mind because i have just grown up this movie has always been with me it's like one of those it's part of my dna it's like willie yeah. Wonka and the chocolate factory it's just in there somewhere
1: uh, bef- be- before we move on, I, I just want to bring up one last thing. So I want to say maybe like 10 years ago, there was a Dirty Dancing musical. Yeah, yeah. And I went to go see it and it, it wasn't that great. Uh, there was a couple of extra songs. They do some things to flesh out. Like the mom has her own song that uh, was actually pretty good, if I recall. But mm-hmm. I don't remember how it went. But the whole time I'm thinking to myself, Regardless of whatever happens, if the guy who's playing Johnny Castle uh, cannot say nobody puts baby in a corner, if it sounds terrible, doesn't work in any way, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And it's getting to that point, and I'm like in the edge of my seat, literally, and I'm (laughs) I'm so nervous for this guy, for this actor, right? So nervous, gets to the line, he does it, and he fucking nails it. And I almost popped in my seat and went like, yeah, but I I was like in a musical, so I couldn't. And I was like, this thing is not good. But he nailed that line, just like Swayze does in the movie. And I was just like, like this know- is just such an iconic line. And if you fucked it up, I swear to God.
0: He knew that. Like, that guy was practicing no one put baby in a corner. Like, oh, because you know, if you're doing, that's the line everyone's waiting for. I mean, yes, everyone loves a carrot and watermelon. The line is nobody puts baby in a corner and it means so goddamn much and it, it comes out of nowhere like the movie's just like oh and he's back but he says that line and you're just like fuck yes like yeah no one puts baby in the corner how dare you and you know, he,
1: he hated that line at first so he, he had did. to figure out how like what it really meant
0: okay the thing on the thing is on the page it's a terrible line it's kind of like uh nightmare in elm street three when poor jennifer Watson M has to say it in my dreams I'm bad and beautiful there's no way you can really deliver that line without sounding um kind of It's I don't know it just doesn't work it's awkward nobody puts baby in a corner is kind of an awkward line and you're just looking at this going what the fuck is this because he's Patrick Swayze he delivers it in such a way that you're just like yeah that that is awesome and that is why that line is still said today because of the way Patrick Swayze said it, so that guy who was on that doing in that thing knew we had to nail that line, and I bet you he practiced his ass off.
1: Oh, okay, I I just found something else too. Uh, apparently, coming to Colorado, where I live, is dirty dancing in concert. Uh, apparently, this is a thing where uh, it's a live film to concert experience. So I guess they play the movie while you're watching on on the big screen mm. there's a live band there there's singers performing the songs i'm like this sounds amazing i want to just
0: that. that actually does sound amazing it'd be just like a big sing-along <laughs> like oh that would be kind of
1: cool <laughs> oh my like there's the singers are like really into it and yeah. you have to see the movie because the movie is the fu- greatest and
0: no, I mean, when you show Dirty Dancing in a theater, it's going to be a sing-along. That's just... Oh, man, I love this. Yeah, because I will be singing Hungry Eyes off-key.
1: Please, she's like, the wind never sounded worse when yes. I did it, but whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah, anything else, last thoughts about Dirty Dancing before we move on to The Bodyguard?
1: There's like a million things we can still talk about, but I think we I think we, we did a good job.
0: We did, I think we did. There's, but yeah, there's so much more talk about with, with Dirty Dancing. Oh. But are uh, you ready to go on to The Bodyguard?
1: yeah let's 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 bodyguard
0: let's bodyguard it because we need to get <laughs> on to actually not the biggest movie of 1992 i was actually kind of surprised because actually 92 was a stacked year um like most of the 90s you're like holy shit man the movies go to the movies was awesome i didn't appreciate it when i had it
1: um what's the top movie of 92 I, I, I learned i just learned that yesterday what was, was Aladdin?
0: it yeah
1: it was Aladdin. yes another uh, classic song.
0: movie uh, a, a movie that there's a thing going on which i won't say this because i'm annoyed at this particular social media site but there's a, like if you pay me a hundred thousand dollars to do 90 percent of a movie it'd be a lot like i can wow, i've seen nice. that movie so many times <laughs> yeah we're going to be getting in to the bodyguard now larry um i know you were saying you had a bit of difficulty because this is a very strange and unique movie even for 1992 um what is going to be your first trailer for the bodyguard
1: all right so i have two trailers yeah the first one i'm just gonna do the first one because it has also got a great soundtrack it's also about a singer mm-hmm. it's also about somebody who's trying to protect said singer yeah so i'm just talking about 1984 streets of fire
0: i'll be coming for her and i'll be coming for you too
1: sure you will and i'll be waiting about to enter a world unlike any you've ever seen before where rock and roll is king the only law is a loaded gun where the beautiful
0: Just stay and see the show it's really good the brutal i want tom Cody, and the brave all meet from now on it's for real
1: in streets of fire <laughs> If i Could use Streets of Fire trailer in front of anything, I would. I have I even done it, but I feel like I've even done it on another episode. I don't know.
0: You might have, that's, that's, I know. Yeah, I've, I've done the I episode with Shaffy, and it was the best because Streets of Fire is freaking <laughs> rules,
1: but like I, I it feels like it, it works because there's got the singer and the rock and roll singing. So I mean there's a ballad in it, it's. Streets of Fire would get anybody pumped up for The Bodyguard, I'm telling you.
0: It's an amazing, amazing movie. Um, <laughs> even with Michael Parry in it. But um, Diane Lane is incredible. Uh, Rick Moranis. I, love her. I wish he would do more movies like this, like when he wasn't kind of being Rick Moranis. Um, even though I love Rick Moranis. Don't get me wrong, I mean.
1: You know what I learned about Rick Moranis? He was cast as the janitor in Breakfast Club at first until they got fired.
0: Yeah, because John Hughes would fire almost everyone. He was almost going to fire wanted- um, uh, Judd. What's his name? He
1: wanted to do a shtick. Like, yeah. you can't do shtick in Breakfast Club.
0: <laughs> you could have. But- I would have forgiven if it was Rick Moranis. Nah, I, don't I know. can. I get it why. Matter, though. I get he's why. It, though. But I'm like. But I thought sad. that was
1: a weird fact. I didn't know.
0: Oh, no. Uh, John Hughes was notorious. He was like friggin' pulling up his name again, unfortunately. Why do I keep talking about him lately, I don't know. Woody Allen, um, who would fire <laughs> people just halfway through a movie. And so you'd have to recast and do what he did. Like, John Hughes was that guy as well
1: kind of wish they would have recast Michael Prey. No offense. Uh,
0: I mean, I yeah. mean, I like
1: him in. I like him in the movie. Don't get me wrong. He's fine. Like, He's just not. Him the and people... her have the most awkward kiss in the rain I've ever seen.
0: It's not a great chemistry. Like What's... you're meant to believe that these people are falling in love, and I've never believed that.
1: Oh, it'll be actually it'll be interesting because when we get to it, we'll talk about the chemistry they have in the Bodyguard. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll see if it's similar or not. We'll find yeah. out.
0: Well, I, I am a big Whitney. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, no, that is a great trailer. Um, I'm again, not going to use my, I'm going to use my musical one to the end, but I'm going to go for another bodyguard movie. I'm going to go in the line of fire. You know, Wolfgang Peterson slash Clint Eastwood.
1: It was his job to safeguard the destiny of a nation.
0: Today, America mourns the
1: loss of But at the critical moment, he was a split second too late.
0: Now, after a lifetime of second thoughts and second guesses, Secret Service agent Frank Horrigan is about to get a second chance.
1: Yeah. Frank Horrigan? Yeah. I've read about you, seen photos. You were JFK's favorite. Dallas. What happened to you that day? And this time you will be ready i see you frank i see you standing over the grave of another dead president
0: um because I, I don't know how you direct clint, clint eastwood i just don't understand how you do that um this movie is again weird as hell maybe because it's clint and he's constantly hitting on i think it's renee russo in this and yeah. i'm just like yeah even in 93 clint looked like he was 90 stop it
1: he's <laughs> always looked old it's amazing yeah.
0: Because <laughs> i got a little Sergio Leone's Western series coming up, and I'm just, like, looking at images of Clint Eastwood in, like, 1968. I'm, like, still look old.
1: I was, I was, I just watched it again for the first time in years yeah. this past year. Yeah. And, uh like, his character is just, like, such a right-wing piece of shit. But, like, there was something sort of endearing and fun of, like, you don't see... Lead characters in those kind of movies before, just like talking smack to everybody. Yeah. And it was just like, it was, it was weird. And then like him, like, hitting on Renee Russo, and she's like, Renee Russo. So she gives it back, but it's just, it's weird. So
0: weird. It's no, weird this movie, par- but I, It's
1: a good movie, though.
0: It's a really great movie. I love the energy of it. I love, I think it's, is it John Malkovich who's the. yeah John yes. Malkovich is so, right. good. He's so good. So good. But this is the period I mean if you ever watched True Crime, which I think was made around, oh, this was late 90s. He's this conservative piece of shit who keeps complaining about how the state of the world is. And then, um, actually, if you haven't watched True Crime, just watch True Crime because you're just watching this going, what is... I mean, it's actually kind of a... Well, it's Clint what He knows how to direct. But it is just such a weird-ass movie. I mean, Fast Zoom oh. Zoo, I think it's called, is that what... You're just watching it going, what the hell was going on when he was making this? What? Do, why... we just why and he's making out with a like a 23 year old mary mccormack and you're like going oh, what is what is happening right now it is he hasn't quite got to that point line of fire but it's still a real entertaining movie i i as much as i think he, he's a kind of a weird ass piece of shit Clint Eastwood's being one of my favorite actors i think he just has this weird charisma about him
1: yeah um, he def- it's definitely a weird charisma that's true
0: just a weird charisma i don't like i don't find it sexy like patrick swayze but it's just this i find you interesting i just want to watch you do weird things like i don't quite understand what it is about it which is um but yeah no i think it's a be it's a fun trailer and i think it's gonna play really well in front of the bodyguard
1: i yeah no i actually that was one that i thought of yesterday and then i forgot about it today and then you brought it up i'm like perfect
0: yeah um what is gonna be your second trailer for the bodyguard
1: all right so as those who have listened to me before know i am a really big john woo fan Really? I noticed. There is a John Woo movie called Blackjack that is basically the bodyguard. From John Woo, the high action director of Face Off and Broken Arrow, comes Blackjack. Dolph Lundgren is Jack. Devil. Jack Devil. He's one of a kind.
0: I don't make guys like you anymore.
1: And the only bodyguard you'll ever need. When a high-priced model, the spectacular Cinder Jane, is the target of a madman. How can you protect her from me? The stakes are raised. Put her in a fixed position for more than an hour. Might as well write her name on the bullet. And the action is hot.
0: I have not seen this. In fact, I think I was meant to do this at one stage with Rob and Clara, but we haven't done it yet. Yes, it was a TV You'll movie. It,
1: wasn't it? It? it was a TV yeah. movie. Yeah. With with Dolph Lundgren. And yes. It was basically he's like a bodyguard, essentially. And he is afraid of the color white for some reason. <laughs> uh and okay. uh so the the bad guy who's trying to kill this his ex- it turns out you find out it's like his ex-wife. I don't want to spoil it, but it doesn't really matter. It's blackjack but basically uh he's got to protect you know the a model that instead of a singer and mm. there's a little bit of like sexual tension and all this kind of stuff but then there's it's john woo so there's a couple of awesome action sequences like in the beginning of the movie it's this is amazing there's this trampoline right outside of a pool oh i think rob told balcony. me about this
0: yeah yeah i haven't seen so this movie does,
1: yet. yeah he jumps while turns in midair shoots a few guys lands on the trampoline bounces back up, shoots a few more dudes while falling into the pool. And I'm like, this is why John Wu is the greatest action director of all time, because yeah. nobody would have thought it to do anything that cool.
0: No, he just saw the trampoline um, and went, let's do it.
1: But it was, I was like, I gotta do, I gotta represent Wu somehow. And Blackjack is just basically John Wu is the bodyguard. So this is perfect.
0: No, I need to see this. Like as I said, this was a yeah. possible episode um yeah. with Rob, but we never got around to it. So I do need to see this movie because it sounds yes. fascinating. And I'm a big I love Dolph. It just oh my god. Um yeah. so no, it's I I just white. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um no, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I, I do need, need to see this. Um am uh, I gonna do as a actually no, I can't justify putting nine to five as a combo with my next trailer. I might though, because same director and one of the same actors, but I am gonna go for a darling little movie called The Best Little Hall House in Texas from 1982, directed by Colin Higgins.
1: Don't touch that dial. The proprietor of this innocent-looking ranch is a woman known only as Miss Mona. And the man who turns his back is Sheriff Ed Earl Dodd. Did I say illegal? Yes, I did. There's only one thing to do, and that's close the place
0: down before we all go to hell in a handbasket. Chicken ranch? I think it's a good idea. Close it down. But the lower is the lower. Sometimes it's got to be changed. Uh, he also directed 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton in both. And this is, uh, the. well, actually, no. Um, I will um, always love you was first released in 1974, um, but then Dolly Parton re-recorded it and sings it to um, Burt Reynolds in Bessel of House in Texas in a very weirdly staged scene, which is just like anyway. But the movie is delightful. It is about the Bessell Hall House in Texas, and someone is trying to shut it down. Dolly Parton is the madam, who's also sleeping with the sheriff, who's Burt Reynolds um this has the most amazing it's a musical and has the most amazing sequence with Charles Durning who was a dance teacher doing a little dance and it's amazing um if you've never seen this I would highly recommend it it um it is just a really great movie Colin Higgins died way too young of AIDS and which is a shame because we would have gotten a lot more Dolly Parton in movies I think because he knew how to use her which is why nine to five is so goddamn good and she's Amazing. Even Burt Reynolds is going, Oh, there is no way I'm gonna outcharm this woman. Like I just need to stand back, which I've never seen in a Burt Reynolds performance ever. Um, so yeah, this movie's fantastic. I
1: I I haven't seen like I might have seen it when I was a kid. I don't remember. Yeah. But I do remember my mom had had recorded it off of a cable because we used to record movies on the VHS, you know. Then I just kind of always just remember that title, even though I don't like understand it growing up you know and yeah. you still kind of know it's an interesting title um uh, but that's that's definitely a movie that uh i have to check out because it always seemed really interesting it know, is. Like it, more interesting than some other musicals
0: it is a full-on musical um the cast is absolutely fantastic it's got dom Delaways because this is the era where burt reynolds worked with yeah. dom Delaways. um it is just it is just so delightful it doesn't get um talked about as as much which is kind of sad because it is just one of those movies that again is kind of pure joy and it is just it does have a few people you don't well when you don't know Charles Durning was actually a dance teacher before he went onto D-Day you don't know this man is incredibly light on his feet but when you see him dance you're like holy shit Charles Durning
1: um
0: it is yeah it is just Again, one of those movies you watch and it just fills you with absolute joy, and you just can't stop smiling. Kind of like Nine to Five. Uh, have you ever seen that movie?
1: Yes, I've seen Nine to Five. It's yeah, been so a you... long time, but I have seen it.
0: I'll rewatch it. It's it's so good. I mean, well, it's literally Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and freaking Dolly Parton.
1: How can you go wrong?
0: How can you go wrong? And they get they smoke weed in it. It's amazing. Um, but there's this <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, Colin Higgins died too young. He you should have made more movies. They, Dolly Parton should have been a bigger actor because of it, because he would have used her more and more. Um, but yeah, it's really fun um and the music's in great and you will oh. see the country version of i will always love you so yeah i didn't
1: i didn't uh i was just looking at uh, because i don't know anything about uh colin higgins and i guess he died of aids yeah which was uh like we really i mean not to get sad or anything but really let uh, the
0: side down yeah we, we yeah.
1: yeah we let a lot of people down yeah. in the 80s yeah Speaking of, and especially with now the way things are, in a, like especially like American stuff, yeah. like the fight's not over yet.
0: Just because you don't like something doesn't mean you can make it go away. That is the thing of it. And yeah, Colin Higgins was an amazing director. I really wish. Yeah, it's it's a tragedy what happened to him because uh-huh. when you watch those two movies, you realize what a sensibility that he had. And god damn it, we should have had Dolly Parton more on screen. I mean, right? Uh, yeah. i I
1: did i he wrote harold and maude like that movie is incredible
0: yeah he did he wrote harold harold and maude like he had this amazing sensibility and and, yeah but uh, yeah definitely go watch the local house in texas because it's a delight it's got a kind of a Mamma mia here we go again but this is ludicrous does burt reynolds
1: sing does burt reynolds no no i don't
0: think he does oh he might do a little actually i haven't seen it for a few years i think he might a little but not much
1: (laughs) Because I'm like, who's who's going to be a, a better singer, him or Stallone?
0: <laughs> I think Stallone. Oh God, I don't like it when Stallone <laughs> sings either. We're going to be getting into. Oh God, I don't know how to approach the bodyguard. Frank Farmer to see Miss Marin. What? Alexander Graham Bell to see Miss Marin.
1: said he used to be with a secret service I was two years with carter four with Reagan hey, Reagan got shot I'm not on my ship all my you. you don't look like a bodyguard this is my disguise. <laughs> well his timing's good
0: Henry I've spent a lot of time guarding people all over the world and I found one thing to be true no matter how incompetent the assassins, no matter how much they miss their target, by, there's one person who always gets hit. Who? The cocky black
1: chauffeur. You afraid I might get picked off from my snazzy round suit?
0: No, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to jog with
1: you. Someone was in my house. My
0: house? Wait a minute, someone was in my house? everybody's afraid of something that's how we know we care about
1: things and we're afraid we're
0: losing. a movie i really liked but man this is such a weird ass movie um let's begin okay this is the first time you'd seen it you'd only seen it a few days ago so when you said i'm about to watch it i was nervous because i'm like oh i don't know quite know how to prepare larry for what he's getting himself into.
1: you know it's funny because you know when i when i okay so back you suggested quick, this by the way yeah i see. i said i said hey i want to talk about dirty dancing because somebody posted something about mm. dirty dancing I'm like i want to do it i'm like what could be a, a good one to do and i was like you know what let's just do the bodyguard because it's got a, a iconic soundtrack also yeah. a, a
0: soundtrack I like, again. I, I still listen to her.
1: yeah yeah and we'll get into that but uh I was like, okay, well, you know, I've never seen it, so I'll watch it, and it's, I always think it's fun to watch a movie that I've never seen before and talk about it. Yeah, me too. Um, so, so, I watched it on Friday, uh, recording on Sunday, so it's only been a couple of days, but I was really into it. <laughs> I was like, this movie is kind of awesome.
0: It is, uh, in a little ways, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, I was like, like I my letterbox, might it like three and a half. Mm, and, I was uh, a
0: three, but
1: yeah. I, I, When we we get to the very end, I'll tell you what my review was. uh, (laughs) I don't
0: think we'll get to it. But uh, uh,
1: but I was just like, I don't know, man. There's, I guess, there's. I'm starting to feel really nostalgic for the '90s. Yeah. And this thing was '92, and with Whitney Houston and the type of music she was singing, it's definitely more '90s. The first couple years of the '90s still feel like the '80s. '92 is when I start feeling more like 90s because that's when grunge starts coming out Yeah, we're we're listening to a lot more music from black artists and Whitney Houston's like huge uh, star obviously so like
0: well she imagine what Taylor Swift is now that was Whitney Houston back in the early 90s she was the biggest star in the world like there was no one maybe her and Madonna I think the only two I could probably compare like they, it's it funny was, you mentioned Taylor yeah.
1: Swift, by the way, because I said if they remade it now, you could make use of t- Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah, it would the first be Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah, like she's coming to Melbourne or coming to Australia. And Australia has just collectively lost its goddamn mind. I saw people (laughs) crying in the streets because they could not get tickets. Like, it is... I
1: couldn't believe she's in her, like, mid-30s. When the hell did that happen?
0: I don't know. She was meant to be this 18-year-old, and now she's, like, in her mid-30s. I'm like, wait, when did this happen? But no, she... ridiculous. That is kind of what Whitney (laughs) was. Yeah. Um, Yes, she had a very complicated life, and maybe she should have left Bobby way... Um, but
1: yeah, there's a lot of circumstances that yeah. she probably, I wish she would have done differently. But she
0: didn't. <laughs> um, but when you're watching her on screen, she is like a light bulb. She just shines. Like there's something about her. And she was not an actor. This was her first movie role. I don't think she did many after it. Kevin Costa specifically wanted her because, as you did tell me after you watched this movie, is Kevin Costner God? I went, 92 he was because he is just coming off uh, Field of Dreams. He's already won the Oscars for Dances with Wolves. He's done JFK. And oh, there was one other movie. Oh, Prince of Thieves. So he's... uh, I mean, this is going to be... This is when we're going to say they don't make him like they used to. It looks great. It's very blue. Uh, I'm like, so blue. I was like, why is this movie blue? I don't... Yeah. Anyway. But he was the biggest movie star at the time. Like, in terms of male movie stars, I don't think you could get as
1: big as kevin costner was in in 1992 i uh wanted to mention too that my very first concert was for my sister's birthday we went and actually saw winnie houston back in (gasps) the 80s
0: wow that's amazing uh,
1: i wish i wasn't such a poopy pants as a young kid being like i don't want to be here like,
0: girl, shit. Then you're just like you're going to see Whitney Houston.
1: Yeah, but like voice of a I generation. Got, I, got to, I got to see her, and I'm just like a poopy pants. I'm like I, again, I want to go back in time and smack myself and be like, pay attention here, you idiot, because uh, like you know she's freaking Whitney Houston. But I, I still remember the concert, you know, and she, everyone was just like going crazy and for her and stuff, and you know she's uh, she's got so many great songs, such a, such an amazing voice. She's so good that they made a movie about her. Like, they don't do it, that for everybody.
0: No, I mean, Kevin Costner knew they were making this movie. I mean, this, we'll get into the hell of a thing where I can kind of see the budget constraints, weirdly, because it was $25 million in 92, which is a huge sum, but there's weird things you can kind of see budget constraints. We'll get to the Oscar scene when we get to the Oscar scene. Goddamn Robert Wall. much <laughs> <It's like, laughs> was like, why? Why? Um, and then they don't use Dolly Parton's version of, um, I will always love you, which is still is a weird decision. the um, well, maybe they just didn't want another superstar doing it, but it had only had never gotten to the top 100 charts. It got into the it was number one in on the country charts, but not the pop charts, and that's when Whitney took it over and the, technically stole the song from from Dolly. It, yeah, so there's kind of these weird kind of things, but you still have. But when you kind of see the money, it's all on Whitney, and I think it's. Worth it. Like she is luminous. She is beautiful. She is charming. I love it when she flirts with Costner. Um, I love it when she's smiling. I love it when she's just doing anything in this movie. I think she's really natural. I think she's really great. Um, I think she's. Yeah, I think she is the standout of this of this movie. Like, I. It could have worked with other acting pairings. I mean, this movie was written by Lawrence Kasdan who in 92 could pretty much do whatever he wanted. Um, Kevin Costner and went to Houston. It's kind of like this powerhouse kind of thing, um, which is why I don't understand why the Oscar scene looks so cheap. But it was 92, <laughs> so. I,
1: I'm gonna, no, I mean, the Oscars themselves weren't that looked cheap themselves. It really wasn't.
0: I have very like, different like, memories, yeah, because I loved the Oscars back in the day. I know
1: you sure did. You sure did. Yeah. You talked about that, watching yeah. with your dad and everything. Yeah. So you probably have a different, like, I think it wasn't really until like ninety four when I really started watching the Oscars.
0: No, it was late eighties with, with me. So I thought it was all glitz and glam and when and I was kinda of like, What what? They couldn't fork out for Billy Crystal? And then I don't realised he'd only be doing it like two years by the time they made <sighs> this movie. So he wasn't Mr. Oscar yet. And Robert Wall had was actually one of his joke writers. Which is gonna explain so much about the, the early nineties Oscars. You go back and watch it, you're like, Oh and you're like, Oh yeah, it's because Robert Wall was was writing jokes. Okay. That that makes sense. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, Whitney Houston's really good in this movie. Yes. I thought. Anyway, and Whitney it's... Houston, fantastic. But what is it? I don't understand how they thought that she was like really bad enough to get nominated for worst actress by those pieces of garbage. The resies
0: are dickheads. They just they don't choose who's the, actually they think is the worst. They choose someone who's going to get attention. So if they say Whitney Houston. Who is never been an act-trained actor. Um, and they purposely told her not to get acting training because they wanted her to be natural. Um, Costner and uh, Mick Jackson. Yeah, they just do it. It's like nominating Bruce Willis for every single... giving him his own award. And once you find out, oh, wait, he actually has... Uh, so, there was something actually wrong with him. They're like, no, we're sticking to it. And then they had to backtrack. But no, they're, they're just dicks.
1: Yeah, they... Her and Kevin Costner have a really, I think, a really good chemistry. And there's, I don't know, there's something about the way Kevin Costner acts with uh, leading ladies that's very interesting. Like, he's He's, got, like, this, he's the opposite of Patrick Swayze in many ways with his his charisma.
0: His hips do not move. Like, Kevin Costner's hips, not moving. You're right, there's a really weird uh, chemistry, and I kind of think the woman, his leading ladies have to work a little bit more with him than they just say if you would with Swayze especially in this performance because he's meant to be a stone-faced passion's meant to be inside kind of thing seen your Jimbo 62 times um <laughs> I still didn't get yeah. the movie uh, it is so it's a weird chemistry so I and when you sort of watch Prince of Thieves and a few other uh, women that he's working with I got a feeling that they're doing a little bit more of the heavy lifting now in saying that I do love Patrick Swayze as a movie to say he's not my favorite because I think he can be a little stiff sometimes. So when he's dispelling wisdom on a bench, that's my favorite era of, of Costner. He's a very interesting actor, and I'm not he's got a weird charisma. Yeah, you're, you're right. I can't it, it, there's something about him that you're drawn to, kind of like Clint Eastwood, but it's still a different ca- charisma.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Uh I watched Yellowstone, and there's there's this one scene where uh, he does something. And he basically says, it's because I'm meaner than you. Mm. And that's sort of like Kevin Costner's sort of like vibe. Like you could, yeah, like you can talk, like, especially in these kind of roles, he's like, he's kind of like mean in some ways. Like um, he can, uh, like, beat you at your own game. Yes. By even just like looking at you. Yes. And I, I think that's what makes this movie work is because she's able to sort of break down that barrier that he has. Yeah with because he's like i don't want to do this this is, this is i don't like the, the vibe and the attitude here but she's just like like i'm gonna i'm gonna break break him and have him fall in love with me and stuff and really oh, quickly just,
0: by the way yeah. like it happens super quick
1: but, like, no i don't blame him though
0: yeah i mean it's have you seen but no it is i mean there's a sort of interesting power dynamic and dirty dancing baby has all the power she is at the agency right from the beginning and she keeps it to the end there is no kind of her losing her agency and this one even though rachel um should have all the power she's technically um keston costner's boss which i can understand kind of sleeping with your employees a little there's a there's a conversation that needs to be had um but in this movie it's kevin costner who has all the power and he keeps kind of t- telling her off and she's not doing anything that bad it's just like she just pisses him off by Going in with another guy, which we'll get into the implications of that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. he's actually like, "What the dickhead?" So you're trying to kill this woman, and but you're going to translate with her? Oh, fuck you!
1: Spoilers for this. Spoilers
0: for, for the the Um, and she goes shopping, <laughs> and then he gets pissed, and then threatens to quit. And it's he keeps threatening to quit, and I'm just like Rachel, just let him quit. Like you don't necessarily need this in in your life. But when she asks him on a date is one of the sweetest things. It is she is adorable. She's like, you know what? I like to go in this thing on a set of the guy, but since you keep following me around, I can't do that. So, do you want to go on a date? And it's so freaking sweet. And there's only one answer you say to that. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. And he takes her to a Japanese movie theater that apparently only ever plays your Jimbo. And I love it so much.
1: <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, I think he really is smitten by her kid. Like, he, he is. Yeah. Like, the kid comes up to him and just talks to him and he talks to the kid like as a, as an adult you know like a yes he's now trying to like baby the kid or anything no. and i think he you know he there's there had to be like there's something fatherly about costner that, you Very know, fatherly. that uh, yeah that works then that's one of the reasons why i think he wanted to stick around in the first place is just meeting her son
0: Well the whole thing you know, is he, the, the thing with the boat is absolutely saving the son so
1: oh yeah. man that, that scene is ridiculous That's though so stupid <laughs> so, so i i will say he's I'm running i'm like he must know it's going to explode How? no he had no idea <laughs> he, <laughs> he just threw just, just he was gonna, get off off like, the boat it
0: into a freezing leg and then it he's exploded
1: like, he's like i was like uh you know he probably would have been fine in the boat he's not just gonna the boat's not going to tip over. No, well, he's a kid, so he might not like control it well or whatever. But like, he almost like drowns the kid, or whatever. And then the boat explodes. I'm like, this thing's going to explode, and then it yeah. exploded. And I was like, yes, it exploded. But yes, did he know? Not no, he had no idea. <laughs> so, weird.
0: It's so weird. It's just like throwing a kid into a freezing <laughs> like,
1: Oh what? man, that that whole sequence when they're like, oh, we got to get off the grid
0: yeah I was like
1: i was like oh my god what is happening here oh and my then...
0: god this is what, and it kind of leads to why they can't be together it's just because he's too much of a bodyguard like <laughs> it's like no it's just your jobs you can be together this is not like a freaking devil surf movie where everyone just gets shitty out of a perfectly normal relationship it's you can be together, but no, he's too much of a bodyguard, so they can never be together and they have to go off the grid. So he takes him to his dad's house. It's like, wh- what is happening?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, just like the fact that it's written by Lawrence Kasdan, yeah, uh, was really interesting. And you know, I guess it was set to be, it, they were good. It was like Steve McQueen. I think he wanted to be in it originally. So yeah. this has been driven for a while. There's a few pairings
0: yeah. he wanted. He wanted. He wanted, and end, but uh, if, 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 didn't come into uh, Diana Kevin, Ross yeah.
1: was good at being in it at yes. one point. And uh, it makes sense too, because like Steve McQueen and Kevin Costner, kind of very similar sort of like vibes. I think. They do. Yeah. And. Um, um, but like it's well, it's a it's a well written movie as far as just the plot mechanisms. You know, like you get you get some it's, pairings it's, going. <laughs> bunch of stuff yeah it's
0: yeah like, that yeah it's
1: 1992 so we're like we're in the height of like the sexy movie yes. that we don't get anymore so it's not quite as explicit as like uh basic instinct but it no. sort of has that lurid sort of like plot of like who the killer is and all that kind of stuff no it's it's, just, it's a t- bizarre it's not only in 1992 could this movie exist i
0: know because the, the plot of the movie is is that kevin costner who's like the ultimate bodyguard um you see him save someone like mid-scene when it opens and then he gets this job um uh bill um bill cobs hires him to uh protect this uh the grateful uh, cobs legend um hires him to protect a, a mega superstar the biggest star in the world she is nominated for an oscar she is, is presumably won all the grammys like she is she's queen tay so, uh, and then you find out she's getting all these kind of threatening messages, but then someone keeps trying to blow her up. Like there was an explosion in her dressing room. Someone's trying to sneak onto the property. There's a whole bunch of things happening because she's so successful. She's kind of already used to this. So she's very blase about it where there's, Kevin, uh, where there's Kevin Costner is like, no, I'm a bodyguard and you need to take this seriously. Like I'm in charge now. She's like, okay. But they fall in love. They have sex very quickly, and then he's like, "Well, no, we can't keep doing this because, you know." And she's pissy, and then, um, then you find out that she has two stalkers, one who's sending the threatening messages, and then one who is a hitman that her sister hired when she was stoned and doesn't remember anything about it except what she paid him. So, um, he's good to his word; he's been paid, he's going to finish the job no matter what. That I, seemed I will, through me. I, I was like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> I will <laughs> say earlier in the movie, there was like, there's something off about her sister. I bet you she's oh, she part her. of something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, she is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I really do like uh, Michelle Lemire Richard's performance. I think there's a scene where she's singing and then Whitney comes up behind her, hugs her and starts singing. And of course, because it's Whitney, she's a better singer. And just the look on her face is just pure hate.
1: Like, yeah, like, you just ruined my nice little moment, you yeah. hussy. <laughs>
0: you hussy. This is why I want you dead. Um, what did you did in one moment when I was high? Like, it, This the kind of... When you,
1: what kind of drugs was she on? It couldn't have been just marijuana. No! You know.
0: She was on something heavier because she doesn't know who it is, where it was happened, what bar, all she knows is that, did she have the cash on her? Was she just carrying around loads of cash to, when she ran into a hitman that she was just like, here, yeah, kill my sister like it is that entire. that's why i say it's, it's really well plotted, which it is in thing but that scene i'm just like okay wait what is happening that because it, it's i mean this is a strange movie that only could be made in 99 In so. no other time would this movie ever get made and the way that it functions so it is yeah so when you get to that point i'm just like wait what is happening and then two seconds later she dies because she's the evil sister and you're like well I, I do feel sorry for her because it's got to be hard having someone as talented as Whitney Houston as your sister and you're forever just going to be the sister of someone and, or in the shadow. Like, she's a good singer. She's just not Whitney Houston and yeah, that's yeah. got to be tough. Sure. Like, yeah, you just going to look at her and just go, oh, I'm only where I am because you are great as you are.
1: But well, you should probably yeah. just, just talk to her instead of yeah. hiring a hit person. <laughs> yeah uh a crazy hitman i need
0: i need my space i need to move out i gotta start working for you because this is just getting too toxic uh but no i'm gonna hire a hitman
1: (laughs) yeah it was uh and that uh, it's so funny too because like part of me was just like what is this weird character who just like is going to like try to like sleep with her at the party and i'm like i'm like okay well that'll make sense when you find out that's gonna be like the the hitman or whatever yeah but i'm like that whole scene is just like real icky
0: (laughs) It really is. I mean, it's.
1: Wait, that's definitely written by a dude. It's definitely
0: written by a dude. It has definitely got that kind of thing. Oh, it is very much. You can tell the more maleness in this movie compared to the more feminine of Dirty Dancing. You can tell it's much more male because it's like, oh, woman be sh- crazy. They'd be shopping, and it's like she went shopping. I mean, this is a woman who clearly understands her fame, but actually likes to have a normal life she likes to hang out in dingy country bars she likes to hang out at the cabin and the, the lake she's actually enjoying herself she just wanted to go shopping um yes there is a crazed bomber after her but she's kind of very well aware of her life and how all that insanity is always just going to be there anyway like it's she's flippant about it because that's kind of the way I'd imagine you have to deal with it I mean the amount of stalkers that these people have is horrendous that someone's fantasy life can just get way too like social media has made it worse where you just think you can just talk to someone because they're famous and you expect a replication even though they don't know you but you think you know them um and it's always been there like there's always been that kind of thing so she's just kind of like yeah I deal with this daily what are you talking about like everyone knows how I who I am except in that one country bar they went to, which is fine. Uh apparently. But it is yeah, I love that kind of and I think that's because Whitney was dealing that with that on a daily basis. Like it's not, not sure it wasn't anything new for her. So I think and you can tell it's written by a man I'm like, no, you need to behave, you need to be in your place. And she's like, no I don't. I'm like, what are you talking about? I made my money. Like I did it. Like I didn't rely on anyone else. I have all these people around me. Um and yeah i mean so i really like that element of it but you can tell it's written by a man because i keep (laughs) make telling you that though she's doing the wrong thing i'm like dude she's just living her life like she this is not new for her
1: i will i will say the one thing i really liked in the script uh too i thought it when you're talking about that country bar that's where she hears i will always love you and it's like the, the country twangy version yes and i thought that uh, there would be something where like she writes the song and she's gonna perform it on stage or something you know and it was gonna be this big showstopper thing and really it's it's they don't it was just to tell you that it's just to remind you what the the song and like how like fits into them because that's where they like fall in love or whatever yeah and like it's just the song they do when they're they're they kiss from like i i thought there'd be a scene where it's like she wrote the song or not wrote something just wanted to do the thing and they were gonna you know what I mean I was like what is why is it not
0: I do like it how it's staged how it's the acapella and it starts really quiet um and then it sort of goes on and she's still singing that high note as we speak yeah it's kind of really weird she's the biggest star in the world but yet only performs in hotels um and uh dingy clubs that was the one thing that struck me as weird it's why I kind of feel that these weird budget constraints on it um because I'm like she's performing stadiums like that is she's not performing in a club with terrible security where people can get on stage that is not happening
1: at well, all i don't understand that scene because they're like we're shooting a video i'm like what are you guys talking about
0: yeah it's like really yeah this is kind of when you realize lawrence keston doesn't necessarily understand the world of the, of the pop star like he's kind of making things up which is most movies about pop stars to be honest i mean i finally saw marry me and i'm like oh this I can't even I can't buy into the to the premise like you which is a little bit like the bodyguard like there's something about my brain that just goes hang on this is not how it is even though I need to just get into the world and just accept everything but her performing at the club I'm just like no she's because because it is Whitney Houston I'm like no Whitney Houston would have security everywhere like it would not just be Mike Starr in the corner like that is not her only security she people would not be getting on stage with her um the, that is not something you know, that would ever happen and i my brain just could not get just let the story flow <laughs> let it wash over you i just was like no that i'm sorry i can't i can't do it
1: yeah yeah i mean it, it led to an iconic scene of him like like holding her and talking yes. about the thing it's on the that's amazing
0: i do love that So like, yeah they,
1: they they have like okay we got to do something where he saves her yeah but it's just like they could have done anything else it just felt really weird and like enough people get on stage during regular concerts he didn't need to do this like weird like video shoot thing
0: yeah
1: um, um but can um, we also talk about the song real quick the queen of the night song
0: you mean an like, amazing that, that, awesome song
1: that song is basically on vogue right like that's yeah. an on vogue song yeah it's uh i was like i was like man this song is like rocking but i'm like i'm waiting for her to have like a, other backup singers with her and stuff and just do like an on vogue thing it, it, yeah it felt so not Whitney Houston
0: it doesn't but she did a lot of songs like that like i know back when she was first becoming big people would go well you don't sound like a black singer um and then white people go well you don't sound like a white singer either and she's like well i'm just gonna sing what i sing and she did have a lot of songs people go, that doesn't sound like a whitney song she's like yeah oh, i just wanted to sing it like she was not
1: it's it's a banger though that's it's for a sure. banger it's just, i love it just remind me i'm on vogue
0: yeah and she can absolutely and she nails it like she could do it yeah I love the song I love the fact that it carries her out I love the Simpsons parody of it when Homer becomes Mark Hamill's bodyguard um hilarious and he carries him out of the (laughs) thing like Kevin Costner um it is so it's absolutely kind of this movie has so many iconic moments and that is one of them um that he's just being this heroic guy taking her out he's saving her and that relieves to one of the slowest fights I've ever seen put to film with him and Mike Star. I mean, they were moving slowly, right?
1: You know, Mike, Mark Starr, he's, he's just a big oaf of a dude.
0: I mean, I know he's not going to be able to do the choreography, but Kevin uh, Costner wasn't exactly known for his, like, fighting skills either, except no. for maybe a punch here, here, here or there.
1: So, the best part of that scene, though, I think is how they set up earlier that he's actually good with knives. And when yes. Mark, Mark Starr's gonna, like, yeah, I got a knife, I'm gonna beat you up, he just like throws a thing and, like, right by him gets it in. I was like, Yes, I love when movies they, they set up something and they pay it off.
0: That's yes. Even though
1: he didn't use a knife to kill anybody later on, he still used it to make a point
0: yes but i do love when he kind of picks him up and kind of throws him over the bench but he doesn't it just feels so slow <laughs> just like which is probably, probably how the fun. actual fight would be but it just i don't know the whole fight thing very in slow motion i was just like huh i think i'm being very conditioned to how fight scenes are meant to be now like when you're watching a job <laughs> or something probably. and everything's so quick and i'm watching this guy you can see that that's very that's slow That's probably why it, yeah it
1: was still i thought it was still a pretty pretty fun scene though yeah. i because really, I, I, I i'm a big fan of guys who uh are like i don't need you i'm already good at this and then they're humbled and then they become buddies
0: yeah he became like kevin costner's best friend it was amazing
1: he's like i look he's like i look up to you now because you are way better than me
0: yes you are you are the king of the bodyguards which was kevin costner's thing when he was god it was like i'm gonna come in here and be the best of the best and everyone's just gonna go yes you are the best of the best like especially dancers with wolves like i am the best native american i'm it's like uh, okay (laughs) sure uh, so I'm i am the
1: best fish man
0: i'm the best i'm the best of the being a fish man i am the best <laughs> of being the robin hoods like i come in and teach all the other outlaws how to be the best robin hood i think he's almost the best baseball and field of dreams i can't remember i need to watch that movie that movie was surprisingly delightful um and i hope yeah, that was kind of his favorites. yeah it's kind of um the yeah he comes in and i'm gonna prove i'm the best of the best and that was always his. I'm going to be the best postman in a dystopia.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, I, I totally to really see like the speak that, By the
0: way,
1: I think he's. I think he's. He liked Clint Eastwood and stuff. Yes, like, you might not have like feel. the greatest range of all time, but like, there's something about his. Like you just can't take your eyes off a of Kevin no, Costner. No,
0: you can't. He's nice.
1: really good. I and I, after watching this movie, I was like, you know what? I feel like we owe him an apology for ever giving him shit for anything. Because
0: oh, like, maybe. he's
1: a movie star, man. Oh, he is absolutely you, a movie star. Yeah. And if you see him in Yellowstone, he's just he's exactly like he was in '92. It's just like
0: I'm gonna come in like, and be the best cowboy. to yeah, teach all the these cowboys, cowboys how to be a big cowboy.
1: I love Kevin Costner. He's so good in this, and I I love the chemistry they have, and and I do not to skip for it too much but i don't know what the deal is with the very end of the movie when they've kissed you think it'll just go to credits no there's a benediction and this guy does this this thing about uh, like bodyguards essentially and it pans into oh my
0: god he's the to kevin
1: Coster, and i'm like what are they basically saying he's god like what is happening here it's
0: weird. he's always watching no because he is always watching um no because the thing is you Going back to your point of him being a movie star, yes, he is, but he is the movie star of this movie. It's not like Patrick Swayze, who's stepping back and knowing he has to support Jennifer Grey, because she is the star of *Dirty Dancing*. She is being supported by by Swayze. Um, this movie is all Kevin Costner. So this movie ends on this most amazing song, um, which I think is I love both versions. Um, Dolly Parton's "I Will Always Love You" and Whitney Houston's "I Will I Will Always Love You." Even Dolly Parton had apparently when she first heard it had to stop on the side of the road and went oh my god she, she's doing amazing things with with my song like she forgot she ever gave it to them when they asked for it um and oh this is what she said in, in, in an interview and so so that's kind of you end on this amazing moment that's focusing on whitney but because it's kevin costner and he's kind of like Clint eastwood in the way that i love him when he's on screen Every single time I see an interview with him, I don't like him. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. Um, Yeah. And it's not to do with anything, not quite like Clint Eastwood in politics. It's just something about him. I don't, it's like, I know I'm not going to get on with this guy if I ever meet him in a room. But when you're watching him on screen, and I got the feeling that because this is Kevin Costner's movie, it had to end on Kevin Costner, he's just not going to Houston. So it has to have him in the corner. Zooming in, he's <laughs> oh, giving a benediction to this room. It's hilarious. And he's standing in between two flags, and his eyes are just darting from one side to the other. He's always watching, and I'm like, <laughs> "That's why you couldn't be with Rachel, because you have to stand in a corner."
1: <laughs> Nobody puts Costner in a corner.
0: Apparently, people do put Costner in a corner. Costner, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. There's we'll no so like, the hell?
1: That's what makes it great though.
0: <laughs> oh, I started laughing so hard because oh, you're yeah. right, it I've, should I've... end on it should end on the song. It has to end on the song. That is a perfect perfect song. Um when you hear Whitney Houston sing I will always love you, it's fantastic. It's a showstopper. It she was already the biggest thing already. That song comes out, she's like 10 times bigger. Like that song was everywhere. Like you could not oh, yeah. you could not get away from that song in 1992. That and the whole and I new would, world just on repeat, those two songs. Um, I would
1: argue though that I Have Nothing is a better song.
0: Oh, it is, yes, I have nothing is actually the best song in on the soundtrack, and I will listen to that song every few days.
1: Um, I didn't even know it was part of the movie or the soundtrack, I thought it was just on something else, yeah, and just was, another
0: Whitney song, yeah. So, yeah, so when
1: I was learning about the soundtrack and all, there's that there's uh run to you is really good um and i'm just like oh no wonder this is the highest grossing or the highest selling soundtrack of all time because yeah. like you know it's it's basically just one of her best albums ever <laughs> i didn't yeah. even realize i thought it was like one song and there's like seven.
0: Oh no like i love how this thing um does in the in the movie where he first like i love his introduction to to rachel when he's walking into this room and he doesn't, um, it's just on screens, everyone's sort of stretching, practicing, this very foreign world, and then you kind of meet Rachel like off, like it's sort of off the cuff a little bit because he's so confused about what is is happening. And then when you hear the songs, it's a recording like Queen of the Night, I Have Nothing, and I think, oh no, you don't hear Run to You Sing Live, Um, but you hear, and um, I have nothing recorded somewhere else, like just on a TV or a radio. And then you see them, you see them, you see her perform them live. And when you actually, and it's, she's probably lip sync. I don't think she's singing live on set, but it feels like she is like just the, you realize what a superstar she was. Like when you see her singing in a weird hotel, I have nothing. And you're like, yeah, that's because you're awesome. And that song is amazing.
1: It's yeah. She's uh, the presence she has when she's singing is just amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is
1: um Oh I Am Every Woman's also on this too, I forgot. Oh, I thought that it was is. on a I thought that was on a completely different album. Nope, on this one. Nope, nope,
0: it's on this one. It is um it is absolutely incredible. Um and I just want to give credit to people who wrote it. It was David Foster and Linda Thompson. Uh they wrote I Have Nothing. Um
1: and that is Oh yeah, yeah. well it's David Foster and the other one. I mean, come on. These yeah. these people are like good at writing songs. Yes. <laughs> So you write these great songs and you have these great singers do it, they become iconic.
0: Yes. Exactly. There's, it is there's
1: nothing I can write that'll ever be iconic.
0: No, me neither. Like people are gonna forget this podcast in three years. <laughs> like it's um I'm not writing I have nothing. I'm not Dolly Parton. I'm not writing um I will always love you. Like there's no oh. there's no way um it's gonna be thing. I mean, if you look at us this- <laughs> <laughs> they go what is david foster's biggest hit it gives you six songs um after the love is gone i have nothing Look what you've done to me the prayer i mean yeah he was a hit factory for, for a while but yeah if you want to get good people, <laughs> as long as you get those um things so it is it, it yeah i mean when you watch her you're just like holy cow um she's just probably lip singing the words but she still has this presence when she's singing and I love when she's singing, I will always love you. And it's just like, you just, you don't see where she is. All you know, she's performing somewhere. And it's gorgeous. And you almost want the video to kick in when she's singing in that, that white background, sitting on the chair and just letting loose. You kind of wanted to start doing that, but it doesn't, which makes me sad.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah.
1: I don't, I don't know. That's, that's, I do think it's funny that, they, they, that she got nominated for an Oscar for best song, but she doesn't even sing the song at the Oscars. Did they do that? Did they not have their. No, they
0: did that occasionally. Yeah. It was a weird uh, Oscar <laughs> thing. Yeah. I, I, I
1: would have, I would have loved if the movie just, just stopped and she just performed the song.
0: Yeah. That would have been great. That would have been the perfect place to have, um, I Have Nothing, but to have someone who's not as good a singer as Whitney Houston sing yeah. I Have Nothing, it's like, which is why it's such a hard song to sing because. It was written, I think it was probably written for her, so they knew that they could go different ways. But to have a woman who's just a really good singer sing it and not Whitney, I'm like, no, it doesn't, nah, sorry, it doesn't work. You need Whitney to come on stage, sing at the Oscars, have her moments. Um, it should have been she might get shot during that song, not her going out and presenting, Um, which was, like, <laughs> with everything that I know that's happened at the Oscars, watching someone almost not get assassinated and someone have a freak out and then get shot on stage is like yeah this this is all part of the course now isn't it i mean will smith assaulting chris rock on stage uh then reading out the wrong because when the guy picked up the card yeah. it's got blood on it he's wiping it i almost wanted it to say Moonlight.
1: <laughs> that would have
0: been, <laughs> been hilarious
1: she didn't actually win best it song a... it was actually this other one
0: no she was winning best actress
1: no oh, right. she did not win she the already won race. best song <laughs> she won best song at best actress
0: yeah this movie won best song and then um and then uh, yeah she won she won best actress for this movie that we only know she sings i have nothing and it's called queen of the night that's all we know <laughs> uh,
1: i want to see that movie actually me too
0: yeah i want to <laughs> see queen of the night because she'll sing queen of the night and i love that
1: song <laughs> now the other funny part i i I want to just bring up real briefly because I, I didn't go back to rewatch it. But when he dives in and takes a bullet for her and he's still able to sh- shoot the guy, hmm. he shoots him and then shoots the camera. The camera blows up. And I swear to God, there's blood splatter. It goes onto Terry Gar's face. I'm like, yeah. is that Terry Gar? Does she get blood all over her? Like, what is going on here? That was <laughs> that's like, the the effects were weird. Effects like, were I like, oh man. This is, this is uh, amazing, though. I was think like, the, oh, the man, whole-
0: the whole oscar sequence is straight up weird like i it's don't hilarious. know well the fact that robert wall is hosting
1: just feels <laughs> With wrong bad jokes. With ba-
0: bad jokes oh my god so bad jokes he just says oh that stage woman had big boobs and he just goes above boom for like two minutes I'm like
1: it's she's what is what is happening? terrible
0: he is i mean why he was a thing for like three seconds like uh, did, I don't like he did him. Did
1: Batman and a show everybody apparently hated are called Arlis and that's I it. don't
0: like him in Batman. Either.
1: Yeah, he's not great. But uh, the he's movie's not great, great, though. The movie's, the movie's great. great. Just I love we just it. I, I think love we should watch it. But
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. If you haven't seen the biggest movie, nineteen eighty nine,
1: go yeah. see it. I, you know, it's funny with the with the bodyguard. I was like, you, you could totally remake it now, but like, it wouldn't. It it would be kind of boring. I feel like
0: no, you could do it because um, you know Taylor Swift's oh, It's a, generic a little... story. It's a very generic it's... story. Um, but so you, you could
1: redo that, but you can't make it like this one.
0: No, because you can't make it this weird. Like,
1: yeah.
0: no, because people aren't going to buy it. <laughs> um, yeah, because the, the oh my god, the Oscars! I, I couldn't get over the Oscars scene. I was just like, what is happening? Like, this is why
1: was it not even the Grammys?
0: That's what I was thinking as well. Why does she have to be an actor as well? Is it because they're trying to make her the biggest star in the world? Like, yes, yeah, g- 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 let it be the Grammys. Let her perform on stage with, like, a full thing. I don't know why they kept – It was almost like they had this amazing soundtrack and they just never let Whitney go full Whitney. And that was a shame because you have Whitney Houston. Use yeah, her.
1: Then, and then what you do is, if it's the Grammys, then – she's performing and she actually performs i will always love you yeah which would be a callback to her hearing the song and then or she's like oh, i have we nothing it.
0: yes oh i have nothing Or do that typical 80s thing where they said i'm just going to change the song like all the arrangements everyone's just going to know it and i can now sing i will always love you and it'll be an amazing moment like yeah, yeah but, i don't understand yeah, why it's the oscars. opportunity i think missed it's because i think it's because it's Lawrence canston wrote it yeah, and he's more probably. of a movie guy so he doesn't he wants to do the oscars
1: Yep. That's probably, it's probably 100%.
0: It. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And no one was telling Kesden no in 92. And it shows with this movie because the choices in this movie are just wow. <laughs> really? Okay. We're, we're doing that. Oh, cool. But then you see Costner, who is really great on screen. I love watching him. And then you have Whitney, who's effervescent. Um, Bill Cobbs is in this movie. I love the sister, Michelle LaMare Richards, the guy who's playing. The assassin is kind of weird. There's a few other things. So it is a really watchable movie and it's really great. And they don't make melodramas like this anymore. Like you don't just get people falling in love dramatically. It has to... It's Yeah, it's sad.
1: But definitely watch it.
0: Definitely watch (laughs) it. It's it's like streaming everywhere. Like it's not like a hard movie to find.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a big good movie to watch with other people and, you know a fun yeah. fun fun little action thriller romance musical thing
0: yes <laughs> um but just to go into the year of 92 because i've realized the early 90s is like the best hey like from 1990 to like ninety seven is actually yeah. the whole 90s is just we we didn't realize we had it this good like even if you didn't like the movies the top grossing movies of 1992 of course number one is aladdin
1: right classic Disney
0: classic Disney um some of my favorite show tunes come from still Aladdin um Home Alone 2 uh Lost in New York classic would absolutely do a show on that movie because speaking of whoa, well, they made choices um (laughs) batman returns everyone keeps saying that movie was a flop no this movie made bank it's just everyone was angry at it because it was stanny devito biting off noses (laughs)
1: so it's it's a weird movie (laughs) it's a weird
0: movie oh my god i was like i love it though oh i was a kid watching this going oh someone get i fell in love with that movie so hard which explains (laughs) how hard i went for like um universal monsters after it It, that this is the movie like i should have realized we'll get into why my reaction to it but anyway um actually I should probably be trying to talk about Ed Wood a movie I hated and I wish I could go back in time and go Lindsay this is everything you love just shut <laughs> up and enjoy it um <laughs> Lethal Weapon 3 um movie I don't think I've seen since 92 actually A Few Good Men a movie I watch regularly because yeah, that, again it's great. it's great ridiculous but great uh because you you cannot handle the truth teller uh, you cannot handle the truth uh Sister Act uh, same guy oh wait directed...
1: Sister At, you know who directed Sister Act
0: yeah I know guy directed Dirty Dancing yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah
0: he's also... back then number seven is The Bodyguard and this movie was a hit and it was still number seven this is I'm doing international by the way Wayne's World sure. classic then Basic well oh, love Instinct. Wayne's World well, Wayne's love
1: Instinct. Basic Instinct
0: um, A League of Their Own and so a movie good. I watched so friggin often then Unforgiven that year's Oscar winner never seen it You've never, and um, un, Unforgiven is a movie I appreciate more than love, but I know a lot of people love it. It's...
1: Yeah, I, it's it's weird. I haven't seen it yet. No. Yeah,
0: I think it's. I need to watch it again. But from memory, it might have Clint Eastwood's best performance, just in terms of yeah, um, Probably. yeah, the uh, hand that rocks the cradle, Underseas, Patriot Games, Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, White Man Can't Jump, Last of the Mohicans, Boomerang, Sin of a Woman, and the number twenty was the Crime Game. I mean. That is so many different kinds of movies of so different kinds of genres, and
1: 92 is a good year. It's a
0: good year. I mean, 93 is an even better year. I mean, when you look at that, you're like, holy shit. Um, but no, we had it great, and we didn't realize how good we had it. Of these weird, all these movies have make weird choices, they are just drawing... set, throw, they're all throwing things at the wall to see what's stuck, and especially. Batman Returns and leave the Weapon Three and, and, and The Bodyguard. And these are not perfect movies, but they are just movies that they just don't make anymore.
1: <laughs> There's a uh, Pastor Fifty Seven came out that year. Yeah. And because I, I thought about that because you mentioned Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. And that's a movie I still haven't seen yet. And I will never forget it though, because I said, Hey, Dad, do you wanna go see Pastor Fifty Seven? And he goes you know, I'm on the plane a lot. I don't know if I really want to watch that. Would you like to go see Last of the Mohicans? I said, no, it's okay.
0: <laughs> you should have gone and seen Last of weekends That was yeah. Great. I'm so Again, dumb. Rom- romantic so dumb. melodramas they don't make anymore. And that I because, know I, it's
1: so dumb. Plus, I do not make, doing it. Yeah, I don't make great choices always.
0: I <laughs> never do I. Um, you've <laughs> also got Death Becomes Her, Unlawful Entry, uh, Beethoven, uh, my cousin Vinny, Alien Three. Actually, uh, oh, so my and I, Vinny. I love my cousin Vinny um oh, man, the Mighty it, it, sneakers, sneakers um yeah i mean sneakers is so good sneakers is so goddamn good it's just like a perfect movie like again i movies i'm not saying i'm not saying movies were better than i have more nostalgia for them i'm just saying movies have the freedom to be able to throw things up the wall and still be in a cinema screen um oh. they don't do that enough everything has to be like perfectly okay i'm appealing to this this and this and they had those movies i mean um we're talking about especially Arnold Schwarzenegger's career especially when say something like Last Action Fairer came out he goes no I thought this was going to appeal to everyone it didn't (laughs) it didn't mention a little movie that came like a week after it and that kind of really ruined it called Jurassic Park um which I'm pretty sure Arnold's bitter about (laughs) but he was oh have you seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary?
1: No, I have not yet.
0: Oh my god, I swear they're interviewing James Cameron and he's just making fun of them the whole time. It's hilarious. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I called him up not knowing the box office or the reviews for the last action hero. And um he goes, oh, i how had the movie open? He goes, Terrible. Because he, he sounded like he was a bit crying. I'm like, Oh yeah, James Cameron famously never having a plot. Wouldn't know what that's I, uh, <laughs> sorry, watch it just uh, for James Cameron just mocking him the whole entire time. It's very funny. <laughs> I
1: don't want to get into worms or anything, but I I I just I enjoy last action hero i just don't know why everybody seems to love it so much i
0: think it's just weird yeah but i'm gladly
1: i'm gladly okay being the one that's like eh but i'll let everyone else like gush about it because when they gush about it they sound more happy than anyone alive so
0: Matt bled is coming over to your house um (laughs) (laughs) no it's 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 just the time again these weren't perfect movies i don't think last action hero is a perfect movie but they were trying weird things to see if... The, they're just throwing things at the wall to see if it worked because we're such in a superhero phase right now. I think we don't get that as often. Um, like James Gunn can kind of do it, but that's really... Maybe, well, James Cameron, because he's James Cameron, and um, he goes, yes, yeah, so I'm just going to make the biggest movie ever again. Yeah, it's... it Yeah, I just wish we had a time where we could just try different things. I mean, The Bodyguard doesn't always work i think there are definite kind of issues with it it's a movie that i can goof on but i do generally enjoy but yeah bring bring, yeah it's a little too long it doesn't need everything in it i think there's some scenes kind of last a bit too long than they need to and all that kind of thing but they were just literally just trying to have fun with it and throw something at the wall to see it stuck and we don't get romantic melodramas anymore even on streaming uh-huh. it's kind of like a lost art in a way and it'd be kind of cool to bring it back It just to because they did really well in the 90s. I mean, James Cameron even made Titanic, which is a romantic melodrama. Yeah, so sure <sighs> very romantic melodrama. Everything about that screams romantic melodrama. I guess because I was a teenager when all this was happening, I miss that. I mean, I've even started watching Douglas Sirk movies, who was the king of that, and these are very campy, kind of very colorful, very fantasy driven, very weird, also plotted movies. Um and with the rock hudson factor in a lot of them and yeah they just can someone just make a romantic melodrama for me that's all i would like just a new one amen yes um anything else pray, wanna...
1: to, the, yeah. pray, pray to uh the god kevin costner that we yes. can get those movies again
0: yes i would he's tried it a couple of times but give old man kevin costner a horse <laughs> and a lady you can fall in love with um, no, I have my partner loves Yellowstone and all the prequels. Like he's obsessed with uh, Yellowstone nineteen
1: twenty three. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm still on season three of the of the OG.
0: Oh, he. I think yeah. I've not seemed excited about a show like this since like Breaking Bad. It was like it's
1: it's really good. And
0: Dan doesn't it, even it, like westerns. I was like, you don't like westerns, and he's like, have you seen this? I'm like, yeah. It's Kevin Costner on a horse. He's like, I know it's Kevin Costner on a horse.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the 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 cool thing about that's one of those shows that like. They changed the dynamics from season one into season two, and it uh, improved the show a lot. Yeah, where they were like first season's like these are not real likable people. To okay, we're gonna get rid of them being unlikable, and you're like now you're rooting for them. So it's yeah. kind of
0: interesting. Yeah, that's a Tyler Sheridan thing. Like he's very good at yeah. making very unlikable characters likable. Um, I like him, I like his movies, but I have yeah. Um, mm-hmm. anything else you want to say about the bodyguard before we finish up?
1: no i'm good
0: you <laughs> could probably talk about the complaint about the oscar scenes more but i won't no this is a really fascinating movie <laughs> i would still give it a watch it's very 92 the music's great Absolutely. but he's great um except the, the oscar scene's weird but it's whatever um but no the, thank you so much for suggesting this double i had a blast
1: yeah me too yeah uh, it's too bad this episode is gonna be very short because there was nothing to say
0: well, nobody got these things to say. It's just more gonna be me complaining. And I do actually like this movie, so I think we've pretty stop here. Um but no, I think we nearly went for three hours. <laughs> two and a half hour hours.
1: It's been it's been super entertaining. I've had a great time. Thank you yeah. for having me on.
0: Oh thank you. I, for love, coming, I love being here. I no, love being here. I love having you here. It's always really, really fun. And you bring these really kind of quirky 80s, 90s movies that you actually can dig into a little bit more. And as you said, this is our second Costner because we did do um
1: Untouchables. Well,
0: untouchables. I was going to Unforgiven. I'm like, no, wrong movie. Um, We did the yep. Untouchables. Yep. So I might get you one for Unforgiven, but that will be more of a, yeah, I think it's really good. I just don't love it kind of conversation, <laughs> which might not be that interesting. Gene Hackman in that movie. Jesus Christ. Um, It was like, oh yeah, greatest actor ever. There you go. Um, but yeah, before we go, please tell people where they can find your good work.
1: Uh, you can uh, find me on all like the podcasting things like Spotify and Apple music and wherever else you can get your podcast. Uh, the show is called real early. It's spelled R E E L, like a movie real, which it, the show might be too clever for its own good in the title. So maybe people are looking it up wrong, but it's R E E L early. You can, I have a link tree link. T R dot E slash real early. Um, I'm on Twitter i'm on blue sky now very jealous yeah i i i want to uh code uh but you can find me there if i'm on twitter at double h55 i have uh, another twitter called at woovember which is about john woo uh yeah uh I re- if if you're listening to the show for the first time and you think i'm just the bee's knees uh please listen to my show give it five stars uh, check out Lindsay's episode. It's I really enjoyed that one. I learned a whole lot about Australia and New Zealand. And yes, <laughs> real early.
0: <laughs> no, please get real early listed listen. It's a fun show, uh, especially I'm really loving you bringing back people to look about movies that made them. I think that's fascinating. Um, so that Thank is abso- absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. Shock and awe on all the pods where you can listen to it. If you want to give it a rating, that would be great um yeah you can find me on twitter for the moment we'll see every six months i'm like "Mm, this twitter thing is not gonna work (laughs) um (laughs) uh, instagram shop on all one and twitter as well reading gate on twitter and uh letterbox anyway this was an amazing show thank you so much for coming on this is an absolute blast and uh we will be back with another double feature all right thanks guys bye